Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation podcast, episode number 30. My name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. Today, I am joined with, or joined by, I always forget the wording there, um, Michelle Quay. Hi, everybody. Yes. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> so you're back. You are um, my first repeat guest, number two, second appearance. So thanks for, thanks for coming back. Thank you for having me. I was recently told that this is a very NPR phrase. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So if you turn on the radio, uh, anytime you listen to NPR, people usually, the guests would start by saying, thanks for okay. having me. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think people, it, it's a safe thing to say, and it feels very professional to say, and it's nice to say. It feels good to say, right? Thanks for having it, me. It feels good to say, and I, I think I wouldn't go any, anything else um, besides thanks for having me. Well, it's great to be here. Mm, no, it doesn't sound <laughs> good. <laughs> thanks for having me. Okay. With that being said, you are a confidence coach. Yes. Yes. Confidence coach. We, uh, while I was setting up, I mentioned... Do you want to talk about the change? Do you want to start with that? Yeah, so I went from confidence and leadership. I dropped the leadership, and I switched completely to confidence because I feel <clears throat> all the leadership, the basic foundation, comes from the confidence. If you're confident, if you're a person who is confident, then there's no doubt you're going to just go out there and you're going to start leading, right? It's mm. a natural thing for someone who's confident to just set and live that potential and living and setting example so that others can follow them. And so a true leader is someone who mm -hmm. leads others not to follow, but to lead. And that comes from confidence. Okay, so you wanted to focus, you wanted to kind of take the focus away from leadership. Leadership is not what I'm here to teach you. It's the confidence. Everything comes from the confidence. It's, they're not separate things. They're it's, not separate things. Okay, great. And, and there's a reason for that because now I'm mm. helping people to, and I have a passion of helping people to bring out their best self so that they can be seen, can be heard, and can be loved. And I think the previous episode we also talked about this. It's about that desire to be seen, to be heard, and to be loved. Whether it's your, the love from your boss, the love from your audience, from, you know, the... Um, people who's watching your film, for example. Ooh. <laughs> That's big. <laughs> yeah. And we can talk about, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's about being seen, being heard, and being loved. So how do you, how do you have all that is by addressing the underlying issue of I'm not good enough, I'm not happy enough, I don't have enough. It's that not enoughness that stops us from being confident. I buy that. I buy that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I have grown since the last time we okay, spoke. Okay, okay. And what, what prompted, what happened, what helped that kind of click? What changed um, for you to, to make that switch? Where, was there a specific thing or a collection of events? Or? It, it's a collection of events. And I kind of really leaning towards there's nothing that happened just just like that, just in the mm. spark of moment, right? It's always a pattern of how we see things, how we view things, and then suddenly it clicked to you 
or it happened to you, it happened to me, um, during the pandemic, I was really into helping people and, and getting them to have that positive view about life. And when I start doing that, there's signal that shows up and saying, Michelle, you know, I don't want to be the leader. I don't see myself as being the leader. Mm -hmm. But what I really need is just to be able to get up in the morning, knowing that this is pandemic and I can still wake up and still do the things that I love to do. I just need that. I don't need to be a leader. Mm -hmm. mm. And so I started helping people doing that. And I remember I picked up uh, several clients during the pandemic and they were all coming to me because they were looking for that desire to be loved, to be seen and to be heard. Mm. They find themselves just kind of blend in to the rest of the crowd and there they are, they're not being noticed. And I'm sure, you know, as a film producer and you know, you work with actors and actresses mm -hmm. who want to be seen, to be heard and to be loved. Yeah, no, for sure. That that plays heavily into everything that I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, yeah, that's for actors especially that you hit it. You hit the nail on the head with that. Where being an actor, I, I always talk about how how difficult being an actor is because that's kind of like the entire. But until you're on set doing the thing, or until you've been booked on the thing, all you're trying to do is get noticed. Like that's the entire position is see me like what I do and then believe what I do and want me to be in your movie or whatever the thing is. And, and, and it's really it's really frustrating when you are not making it to the big screen yet, but you're doing all these things. You're so busy trying to get out there. You're doing uh, uh, auditions, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have a friend who's actually doing the modeling right now and then she's she's been struggling with doing auditions. How do you do an audition and, and showcase yourself and being presented? You're an actor, so you need to be in front of people in order to absorb that energy. So when that's not happening, they feel, they internalize it as, I'm not good enough, or mm -hmm. I'm not skilled enough, or I'm not, you know, um, I don't know, popular enough. There's a lot of not enough that's going yeah. into that play. It comes, it, it... <sighs> For it sure. trigger it triggers the fear. Yeah, because it because <laughs> it, it there's the hope that if I do something if I change something about me or if I if I did something differently then I would have gotten the part or then whatever. But normally normally it's outside circumstances and stuff that has nothing to do with you that's the reason you didn't get the part in this specific scenario where it's like well they're looking for somebody that was closer height to the the opposite actor. Or they're looking for somebody with red hair versus your brunette hair, or you don't really know what they're looking for. So it's kind of it, it's hard not to attribute it to yourself. When... People get really triggered by that. Like, I, why is it that I don't have a brunette hair, right? <laughs> why is it that I have like black hair or brown hair? So, yeah. so instead of responding it in such a way like exact, accepting things for what is, we change it around, we change the story around and think that it's about me, that we take it very personal. We take it very personal when something is not working out mm -hmm. as we plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I'm trying to do right now, <laughs> okay, there's, there's a couple of things. Before we go further with that, I did want to clarify for those watching the podcast on YouTube, uh, the space that we're in right now, I don't know, well, we're, we're already jumping all over the place here, but, um, 
We, where are we, Michelle? We are at the state-of-the-art Matador Performance Center. This is where my journey began. This is where I found my courage. And I think for the longest time, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm actually getting teary of talking mm. about this. <clears throat> I think for the longest time, I was that someone um, looking for a place to be seen, to be heard, and to be loved. That was something that I was searching for. And when I finally, and this is where we left off, and also where I left off in the book, is that I didn't talk about the afterwards from the book. Mm -hmm. What happened afterwards is once I stepped out of my comfort zone and really trying to get more, gather more understanding about who I am, I start to looking for strategy and plans. And that plans involve First of all, me losing weight. I remember I was, I don't remember if I shared this story or not, but <clears throat> I was driving, driving home one day mm. and I kept having these uh, dark marks mm. on my stomach mm. and I couldn't figure out, for the longest time, I couldn't figure out like where it came from. So one day dark I had this- marks like, um, like a bruising no, or- No, just a black, black um, stretching, uh, like mark. Okay, okay. It's just a mark on my t-shirt. Okay. And I couldn't figure out where I got it from. Huh. So one day I was wearing a white shirt and I was driving behind the wheel and when I parked, right, I noticed there's that mark again. I'm like, oh my gosh, where did it come from? So I sat back into my car and there it was. My steering wheel was right against my, my stomach. It was rubbing against your belly. And it was rubbing against my belly. And it dawned on me finally that I was gaining so much weight that it was that was, a, that was a sign, that was my sign, that you need to do something about it. It was the steering wheel. <laughs> it was the steering wheel. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It wasn't anything else, it was a steering wheel. And so, okay, so now I gotta do something about it. What do I do? I can't run, I can't jump. Um, there's very limited amount of uh, physical activity that I could do. So I started with buying an exercise ball. You know, I, came, I bought it home from Target and then I started working out on it, <clears throat> working out on it. And it got me to start thinking about maybe I can go to a gym. And what came up to my mind the moment I think about gym is gym has a lot of people. And you, you go in and there's everybody who's working out. And if you look at all these uh, adult size equipments, they're not for me. Like right now, if I were to stand up, I'm really petite. I'm only probably the height of a nine-year-old. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, should we stand? Yeah, we can stand. All right, right I'll stand for you too. <laughs> yeah, see, this is uh, adult size, kid size. <laughs> there we go. There so, we go. See, all right, so you're short. So, so I felt really embarrassed by going to the gym, and I don't know how to use equi these uh, equipment. Mm -hmm. So I start to look around in my neighborhood and see if there's any private gym, smaller gym, where I won't be seen as much. Mm -hmm. And so I walked in here. It was actually half the size. And mm. this, so this place actually, actually it goes way back with me. Um, so it was half the size. I walked in. I was calling the owner of this place, and I said, "Listen, I need I need help." And I explained to him, you know, my situation and what I look like, and he welcomed me. He took me in, and he said, "If you want, I can train you." <clears throat> and that was the moment, like my biggest life transformative moment, where. I felt this is the place where I belong. And it was that sense of belongingness. Mm -hmm. I came in here and I started to work out. 
I was training every week. Uh, even beyond that, I was doing a lot of cardio every day, and he was just very openly embracing and welcoming me. Right, which is great. That's 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 beautiful. And he changed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll okay. <clears throat> I'm going to pull back a little bit. For those that, that didn't listen to the first episode and that are not familiar with you, the book that you reference is here before us. It's called Perfectly Normal. You wrote this one last year, 2019, 2020? 2019. Okay. It was published 2019. Okay. Four months, I wrote. And this one, and then, so you talk about a little bit of that in this book um, as far as getting to the gym. What, so, okay, you had the steering wheel moment and you had that realization there. Did Machu Picchu came later, right? Like you were already working out and then you're trying to figure out what, how far you could push it was mm -hmm. where that next, okay. Yep, Great. so Machu Picchu, so I, Machu Picchu wouldn't happen if this place didn't happen. Yeah. Basically, but that's no, what I'm saying. I, I, I like it a lot because um, the gym, okay, I, I don't know, we didn't talk about this last time, yeah. I don't think, but like, let's say in college, I ran a, I helped run, I don't know, I'm going to do air quotes. I was a part of the, the, the university's running club, mm -hmm. and I would always try to, like, get people to show up and stuff, you know, like, whatever. A lot of people wouldn't want to come because they, it's similar to the gym where it's like, oh, everybody there is already, like, a pro runner. I can't keep up with it. I'm going to be judged. And then similar to the guy that runs the gym is, like, the, the, it's very helpful when you have somebody, which I was, what I would try to be all the time is like inclusive. We're here. We're, we, everybody's got to start somewhere. All that mm -hmm. kind of stuff is mm -hmm. very good. And then, and then you sought it out too, which is a huge, I don't know how difficult that was for you to make the, start making those calls. Like, how was it? How was it even making the call? Do you recall? It, it was very uncomfortable. So I, I, I'm a big introvert. Like my personality, I think we talked about this mm -hmm. last time. I'm a big introvert. So for me to actually get on the phone with someone and calling someone just out of the blue and, hey, you know, I'm looking for a gym. Do you think I can get a tour? That was like a big step for me. Um, so I call around a couple of gyms, and this was the only gym that called me back. Mm. and gave me a physical tool and, and who saw me, how I look physically, and who said to me, I can train you if you want. And, and I think connection has always been my biggest value mm -hmm. that I didn't, I didn't recognize and I didn't realize that it was. But that moment, what clicked for me was that connection, was that belonging, that sense of belonging. I finally can find a place for myself to exist. I can finally do what I want mm -hmm. and, and actually know that I won't be looked at, I won't be judged. I, I would actually be embraced in here. And, and that was, it, it meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me. And that is where we are right now. That's where we are right now, Matador Performance Center. It's very cool. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for setting this up. It's very nice. Right? Um, <laughs> okay. I, I've always wanted to mm. come back and visit the gym because it, it was so meaningful to me. Because, as I said, you know, Machu Picchu wouldn't happen if it wasn't for this place. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I, I could imagine the, uh, the memories that flood back looking at this and, and seeing where you were at the start of the journey, where you are now. So let's, let's, oh, uh, that'll be fine. <laughs> um, let's jump to one thing that you talked about on episode, okay, you are on episode four. Like, as mentioned, this is episode 30, so it's been six months since we had you. We, as in me. <laughs> um, and, and the audience. And the audience. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to you wanted to write a second book. So, what's the update on that? Are you writing? What's going on? I mean, I know what the answer is, but what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, I am writing the second book, and the second book is really where I left off on from the first book. So the first book, I didn't talk anything about Machu Picchu. I, I basically and consider that as a letter of completion. So once I completed my past life, you know, I'm ready to move forward. So I didn't talk about any of the Machu Picchu experience. So my second book is focusing on the journey to Machu Picchu mm -hmm. and also the journey afterwards. So once I came back from Machu Picchu, I see life from a different lens. It's more of a positive, optimistic, inspiring perspective rather than being someone who's always feeling sorry and feeling, you know, playing small all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm at um, wanting to do on the second book. Now, where is it at? I am procrastinating. Mm. <laughs> Mm. I am procrastinating, and I have no shame of admitting that. Sure. And we can talk about your film, too, because your film, actually, the reason why I was so intrigued by your film was because it talked about Life Coach. Yeah. And and when it sparks, um, why don't you tell us what the film what okay. the name is? Okay, all right, sure. Um, so we're filming this on Easter. Uh, twenty. Oh, what's today's April April sixth, April fourth, yeah, twenty twenty one. The film dropped, released uh, April second, so just a couple days ago. So I've been my whole weekend has been the marketing PR stuff, and that's been a whole thing, and I'm tired. And I'm really, I'm really proud of you because he he doesn't talk much. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Despite. Despite the fact that he's on camera and interviewing me, he doesn't talk much. He's a man of few words. I try, yeah. They, they, okay, so uh, sure. <laughs> so, so Life Coach, we'll get back to Life Coach. So um, the movie is called It's What's on the Inside. And um, yeah, that's what it's called. It's, it's about a, an agoraphobic life coach. So I, I try to give that, that weird contrast between the self you present to the world and the self you are to yourself and internally trying to trying to face so um yeah that was the basis of the the, the character in the story and yeah what, what was so, your, what was so your I, i'd love to watch that because at uh, the minute that he was do, doing live and talking about the film i watched it the very same night mm. uh, so on april 2nd um, which is the day that it was released and I watch it because it says life coach. And I think there's a, there's a myth about mm. life coach. I actually had a client told me this before, where, well, you're the life coach, right? You have all the answers. And the reality, the truth is, 
Just because you have a title, someone called you a coach, someone called you a life coach, doesn't mean that you don't experience the same struggle like everybody else. So, you know, number one, I still procrastinate, and I procrastinate on writing my second book. And reason being, I have all these other things that I'm working on, so of course it makes perfect sense why I don't have the energy and I don't feel that it's a priority to work on the second book. Do I want to have a second book? Yeah, absolutely, I want to have it out next mm -hmm. year. But in the moment, it is in a procrastinating state, True. status. Yeah. So, so the fact that you know, having the word life coach doesn't mean anything. It's, it's just, we're just human beings. And in the film, I think you portrayed that really well. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Well, I mean, it was important to me, okay, because I, I felt the same way about um, what, what's the word? Like, when somebody thinks about life coach, I don't know, okay, because I've been, of course, in the process of making the movie for, it feels like forever, but like, um, for me, it was important to show that somebody who's dealing with a lot of stuff in their own lives could still make an impact on somebody else when they're trying to, like people who need help themselves are still capable of helping others, whether they are realizing it or not. Or like, I, th I just find that kind of interesting that, I don't know, there, there's something there. I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. But. I, I think what really stood out for me is that it, it really doesn't matter who you are. Well, it matters who you are, you know, you're, you, you matter, your core matters. But what's really interesting, going back to the leadership, right? So every single one of us can be a life coach. You are the expert of your own life. And when we interact with each other, there's, there's elements of who you are impacting and influencing the way that I think. Like right now, I'm, you know, um, have, we're having a conversation, but the impact afterwards, mm -hmm. you left something in me mm -hmm. that I'm going to walk yeah, away some with. some sort of imprint, yeah. Yeah, so, and every single person that we meet every single day, I would hope that they consider themselves as their own life coach, because there's a higher coach. Like right now, sitting inside you and I, who's guiding us through all this life journey. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious, how, why, where, where'd you came up with that idea of having a life coach? <laughs> uh, um, I guess, okay, like, like, it kind of comes down to, I wrote it specifically with the intent, of course, okay, I was writing it for me to make the movie, so I knew kind of what, what constraints I was playing with, and the limitations of a location. And this was pre-COVID too. If you watch it now, it almost looks like it takes place during COVID <laughs> with like the Zoom consultation she's on and stuff. And it's not really, I was just like, she was Skyping at the time, yeah. back in the day when you would Skype people. Um, but no, for me it, it was, um, it started with, I need a character who has, I had like a kind of a, a bullet point list of fears and kind of the constraints that keep her in the apartment mm -hmm. and like her fears of going outside, all the anxiety she's dealing with. And then to pile on top of that, I'm like, well, I want to give her an occupation that one wouldn't expect somebody with those bullets to be working. And I was like, all right, well, the opposite end of that 
one would assume is like a life coach, has their life together, knows exactly what's going on, and can really lead somebody to, to join them in this heavenly realm of, <laughs> of, of you know, life coach uh, purity of mm-hmm. living. So then once you combine the two, you, you get the actual human form of more of a reality-based yeah. scenario. But that was kind of the, the basis of that. And then it kind of just went from there with, like, all right, who are the clients she's interacting with? What, what, how does the human interaction she does deal with, like, her landlord and the male guy? And, and then every, everybody has the imprint to kind of help mm-hmm. um, her on her journey. And it's not really like a one – kind of like what you said, too. It's not – you said it at one point. It's not, I didn't want it to be like a one thing fixes all kind of story where it's like, oh, she found a guy that likes her. Now she's perfect. To, uh, you know, like that's the cure. It, there's, it's a little bit more of like a slow baby steps and everything kind of adds up kind mm-hmm. of, kind of mm-hmm. story. Which... And, and it's a perfect example of a myth about life coach. You know, so, so you, you wrote the script based on the impression that, you know, she had, she probably, a life coach probably had their life figured it out, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be a coach. But the reality is mm-hmm. none of us, you know, none of the coach, coach that's out there have the, have the answer to everything. And if someone tells you that they have the answer to everything, that's not true. So run, I hope run, away, run, yeah, away run away, run away, run away. <laughs> because I still experience stress. I still experience what? anxiety. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, just I'm, like, I'm pulling my hair out on things. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, okay. so there's no one perfect world. There's no one perfect solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I, it makes me happy that. Uh, you did a great that, job. That, 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 that <laughs> you like it, and it's good. I really enjoyed it. I really loved it. And I hope you, go, you guys go watch it because... Check it out. Yeah. What's it, what's it called again? It's What's on the Inside. It's What's in, on the Inside. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the old... Um, yeah, for me, it was like a multiple... It, I was trying to find the title for a long time, and that title kind of came to me as, as creativity does. Like, stuff just hits your head at random times. You're like... <gasps> I think I got it. When, when is your most creative moment? When? Like, yeah, when, throughout the day. For me, I, I don't know. I feel like creativity is similar to like a muscle in a way where if you just practice being creative enough, you can kind of, you get a little bit quicker and better at it. So like when I, I don't think it's like a time of day for me. It's more of the intent. Like if I know, okay, I'm sitting down to be creative. <laughs> I almost have to just put my mind to it and almost enter like a meditative state of relax. It'll come to you. Just think about stuff that you're trying to solve. And like the brain does this weird shuffle thing and like stuff just clears up. And you're like, oh my gosh, I got it. I got something. And then I get to work on that. But until I stop and think and like and put everything else aside and think about it. So it's more, yeah, so it's more of an, an I have to specifically plan to be creative. Otherwise, it's very difficult to come. Like, I just have to set everything else down. That's and, very interesting because I, I think a lot of people are struggling with the creativity because when, when they sit down, they're actually stressing themselves out by saying, I have to be creative. I have to do this. I have to spend more time, you know, working on this. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you're kind of in your head, in your mind, doing all the plotting, doing all the planning. And, and creativity has a lot to do with being intuitive. 
And your intuition doesn't come to you when you're doing a lot of thinking. Your intuition comes to you because your mind is quiet, because there's no mm -hmm. other noises that's going on inside of you or around you, and that you're able to really, truly go inward what's inside rather than listening what is on the outside. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting how you, how you sit down, you actually have to plan for it. Yeah, like I, I kind of, or maybe it's like something I've developed over time where, again, coming back to confidence, where I'm confident enough that if I just sit and think long enough, something will come into my brain. And then just that it's worked enough over time, I'm like, all right, let's just sit down and think again and mm -hmm. something will come. Don't stress about it. And, and it normally works. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. How do you, what do you, so what's your, okay, being, you mentioned being in a, in a procrastin, procrastination, procrastination, a little bit of a procrastination mode, um, but regard, regardless, when you are looking to, I want to, okay. To create? Yeah, let's just stay with the, yeah, with the creative. What do you do? How does, do you I, I am most, so I'm, I'm totally a morning person. I get up like 5.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. and I start doing my stuff. And I was actually just teaching a class this morning about this. Um, you, you manage your, your energy rather than your time. So a lot of us, you know, we think about, oh, I only have 24 hours a day. I have to sleep for eight hours. I got this many hours to do this and that. But what we don't realize that it's not the time that you're managing. It's the energy that you're managing, yeah. right? So do you feel more awake? Are you a morning person or are you a night owl? If you're a night owl, then chances are you don't want to do a lot of important things. Uh, he's nodding his head. I'll bet that he's a night owl. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm more, I'm more. I'm a, de I'm a delayed reactor, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm processing what you're saying. I'm like, yep, um, in reference to uh, the energy thing. Yeah, so, so I'm more yeah. of a morning, morning person, so a lot of my creative stuff happens really early in the morning, like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. I will wake up, and I have this idea, and then I have to act on it. Right? Mm -hmm. I write a lot, so mm -hmm. my writing usually happens in the morning. What, I, happen, what happens if you have an idea... And you don't act on it. It disappears. And it goes to someone else. And this is, uh, your, so your idea is infectious or mm -hmm. is uh, transferable. So if you don't act on your idea, the idea itself is going to find someone else who's going to take and put that into action. So a lot of times you'll see someone or, or run into someone. Oh, that was my idea. Yeah, because you didn't act on it. Mm -hmm. So, so it's almost like, a, is there a, not, not to, is there a fear of missed opportunity? Like, um, I try, okay, for me, I try not to stress too much about an idea pops in. I'm like, ah, if it's important, it'll come back to me. It's something like I try to think about. So I'm interested, so when you say act on it, because... You're going to lose it if you don't use, like, I'm trying to, yeah. So, so I think it has a lot to do with personality type. <clears throat> you know, my personality type, and, and this goes back to like thousands and thousands of years. This is something also new that I grew into, okay. is 
the, using the five elements uh, personality archetype. So there are basically five elements of uh, personality. And this is based on the traditional um, uh, Chinese mm -hmm. doctrines where they talk about you know, the whole entire earth, the, the universe is created in such a balance. There's the yin, the yang, right? And in between the yin and the yang, there's also five elements, the wood, water, earth, metal, uh, fire. So these are the five elements that compresses and make harmony in this world. And every single one of us is a unique combination of all five personalities. Mm -hmm. So a water type, which is I am, I'm a water type, okay. I tend to have, be a thinker. I like to think, finding meaning. I like to uh, look for security. I like to you know, feel something that's safe, protect myself. And it's all about securing my, my premises. Right? And, and in that, I'm really deep into finding the purpose. So depending on your personality, uh, I lost my train of thought. Because <laughs> I was asking about, about the, the fear of, oh, of losing an idea. The fear of missing out. <laughs> yeah, FOMO. Uh, yeah, so it depends on your personality. So if you're someone who is someone who's really deep into searching for meaning, having a purpose, having that sense of purpose, having that idea come to my head, if it resonates and spark mm -hmm. my, my, my intuition and everything in line that feels like, this is my purpose, I gotta do this, immediately you jump into taking actions. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who's looking for fun, some, someone who's looking for spontaneity, then you might be someone who's like having an idea, oh, let me jump on that on you. If you're someone who's doing a lot of thinking and you wanted to play safe, making sure that you cover your ground first before you take an action, you will think about it, plan it out, and think about it. If it comes back, great. It comes back, let me try it out. It's a personality thing. Mm -hmm. that's, my, that's my bottom line. <laughs> okay, okay. So, all right. I'm loquacious. Loquacious, that's a new word. <laughs> okay. Vocations means talkative. All right. Um, okay, so creativity. You said you're more of a morning person. Ideas come to you, and you act on them in that moment to take advantage of that thing that pops into your head. So does that mean when writing a book, you plan for like a specific time frame, and you're like, all right, this is my most creative traditionally, Yep. I'll just set this aside and it's, okay. That, that's how I plan writing, right? Mm -hmm. right? And so when there's other priority, other writings that pop, pop into my, my schedule or my routine, then I'm like, all right, so which one is more important? Which one is more urgent? Then I drop the writing. So I'm, mm -hmm. a, I'm procrastinating right, a right. little bit, but not too much. Because I mean, that's, that's kind of uh, the basis of everything, right? Is prioritizing the life, prioritizing what's important and what to focus on. How, how? That, that I, don't, I don't know if you can plan, right? So it's more of what feels more right on the journey. And I see life as a journey, so you no, can't really sure. plan for what's gonna happen next. But it's still a moment to moment thing though. Like I think about, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with it. But <laughs> I'm, I just think about certain people 
when, okay, uh, let's say if you want to reconnect with somebody and have like a lunch and then you, you contact that person and they're like, oh, I'm busy. It's like, well, let's, or like you're, there's like a flexibility with like, all right, it's a high priority for me to reconnect with you. Let's work this out. And then for them, it's, it's, it's like there's timing, it, right? It, timing it, is everything. Okay. There we go. Sure. <laughs> Time, timing is everything. It's timing. And it's also maybe, maybe they just the, don't maybe, want to connect with you. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I can't imagine anybody who don't want to connect with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, I have, I feel, I feel similarly yeah. about my approaches. Just got to assume everybody is a big fan. Well, I think, I think timing is everything, right? Because my timing may be, may be at a different point versus your timing. And, and if we are in alignment with our timing or with our, the, the way that we're, where we are on the journey, then things are going to be a lot more easier. Instead of, hey, you know, uh, can we have lunch? And the person said no, and you feel so defeated or rejected. It just means that the person just doesn't want to have lunch. That's all. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, it's the end of the story. There's no other story. And this is going back to the confident and imposter, right? So if something doesn't go as we plan, can we take things as is and not have any, not creating any story, not write any script behind it? You're a script writer. Yeah. You write scripts. <laughs> yeah. And I write, I write books. <laughs> yeah. So with a writing background, it's hard not to, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm. So, so, so it comes down to acceptance, right? Can you accept what is? I feel like I can accept what is, <laughs> but no, I, I, I was struggling with that. Before. Yeah, yeah. I I was uh, fighting it because I didn't believe that it was the timing thing. I wanted to mm. make things work for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that stuff. Oh, it's everywhere. I'm thinking about like this weekend with the movie release, for instance. It's like, for instance, there's like the the whole idea with um, with this kind of grassroots indie release is anybody who's willing to share the movie. It's like sweet. Everything is helpful. I feel like I'm on a, on the freeway side with like anything helps with the cardboard thing. It's like anything helps. <laughs> Share it, like it, subscribe, watch it, rent it, review it, rate it, review it, like whatever, you know, like every, in this kind of scenario, especially being it's my first time going through it, it's mm -hmm. like, sweet, Michelle Quay shared it and jumped on the live. I'm like, oh my gosh, thanks for sending in some questions. I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing on here. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> it was your first live. You look so nervous. I'm like, uh... You, you are streaming, and this is something I teach people when they go live. The minute that you go live, there's about 15-second delay So before you see it on the Facebook mm. or before you see it on the uh, Instagram side. So the minute that you hit live, what you want to do is just count 15 seconds and just relax, welcome everybody, greet your audience, and say, welcome, what are we going to talk about today, and just ease everybody into that first 15 seconds. <laughs> 
<laughs> so instead of, are we live? And this is what you see a lot. People are like fixing their hair. Oh, okay, okay. Or I don't like, think I you did know, that, doing their luckily. makeup. And it, it just, just ease yourself and just be yourself. Yes. You've done this so many times. I think, I think like, I think, I feel, I'm, you threw me off track there a little bit. But with a live, I will recount that really quickly from my perspective too. Where we set in, in our brains, it was a 30 minute time chunk. Mm -hmm. First time going live. And I've seen plenty of people go live before. And I'm like, I like streamers and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. I can Piece do that. Piece of cake. But then I got into my mind about the 30 minute thing too. I'm like, all right, there's all these questions. I want to get to all these questions. Speed answer, speed answer. I'm like, no, no. And then I think you sent some comments in. I don't know what you said specifically, but I'm like, all right, Michelle Quay commented. I'm getting in my head a little bit, just chillax, relax. And then like the second half of it, way more enjoyable. I'm like, all right, sweet. I'm just like here. You can do this. Doing my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I felt, I felt comfortable the whole time. It's just uh, that was that the jitters in that first half for sure. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and you jumping on actually helped, helped me uh, no, no, yeah. no, recollect somehow. So yeah. I think the way that you support your friend is oh, every time, every time they go live, you pop in there. Even if you don't plan to stay very long, go in there and just say hello to them and great to see you. Ask them questions. You actually help them to release mm -hmm. that anxiety of, is anyone watching me? How am I being seen right now? So you take out a lot of that stress away from them. And you feel mm -hmm. you can actually visualize by the way that they suddenly they're so calm in talking about things. Yeah. So what I was actually getting to, too, was going through all of this for me was there is there could be a tendency where you lean Okay, because lots of people say really nice things throughout the process, too. It's like, oh, my gosh, I checked it out. The trailer looks great. Everything looks good. Congratulations. Like, all those messages come in. But then there's, like, this very small percentage of, like, oh, my gosh, the YouTube video has four dislikes on it. <laughs> Why did they not like it? Or, or um, I post all this stuff. And I'm, like, this one specific person that I look up to hasn't liked anything I posted. I posted, like, five things this weekend. Are they not supportive of me? Like there's this, <laughs> there's this like weird thing that kind of happens. I felt like I, I mean, I've been doing this long enough to where I'm like, shake it off. Like that, it's a, it's a timing thing, whatever. The algorithm could be blamed for it too. Maybe they just didn't push it out to everybody. Like there's so many different things. Well, that well I just, maybe maybe weird. they are watching it. They just didn't take time to comment on it. And <laughs> and here's the thing. Um, and this is a big um hold back for a lot of people who's doing that visibility and this is some part of the PR, right? So if you're someone building that marketing and doing a lot of PR, then what you need to realize that is that social media is great. It gives you a lot of publicity. But, you know, there's people who like you and there's people who hate you and there are those people who just kind of hidden in the side, in the background, and kind mm -hmm. of just being there and watching you, are you being consistent? Are you being true to yourself? So the next time that you put out the work, they're gonna see and look at the quality of your work. So if you're being true and if you're being authentic, you will show up just being Eddie, and you will show up in your work being Eddie, and people who love you, or those are lurker, 
right? We call them lurkers. The they lurkers. Lurk. <laughs> They're lurkers. <laughs> they just kind of stay in the background. They're not sure, really sure. like active. So they're a lurker, they're watching you because they want you to make sure that what they can trust, place their trust in you. And lo and behold, I bet you, one of those people is gonna come out one day and say, Eddie, I love your work. And those are the lurkers. Yeah, so yeah, don't yeah. be discouraged just because you have no, no, this sure. life, right? <laughs> and, and the truth is, I would love to hear more criticism than people telling me, oh, congratulations, something that's superficial. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that's not a good way to help me grow. The only yeah, way that yeah. I can grow is actually you tell me, oh, Michelle, there's two typos in your book, which there is two typos in my book. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. <I'm sure. laughs> because then it would, it would bring that awareness to me that how can I improve? How can I make myself better? And I think um, as human beings, we are striving to evolve, to grow. And the only way that we can grow is by understanding where our mistakes were made. <laughs> and ultimately, they become not the mistakes, but the lessons in life that we learn. So I would hope that people give you and share their authentic you know, opinions yeah, 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 about yeah. Yeah. what the film really truly For is sure. and where you can improve. Maybe not openly, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. reaching out to you and say, hey, Eddie, you know, this is great. I really appreciated it. But here's what I think you can improve. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's all weird. I was going to say, to clarify, I do think the congratulations are very helpful <laughs> for the algorithm in this perspective. I'm like, anything helps. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's all part of the I, marketing I, and the PR. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're all slaves to the, the algorithm gods. Um, so, so you can disregard the algorithm. Just do what you do best. Sure, sure, for sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's both sides at the same time for me. Um, okay. I, I thought I had a place to go from there. I... <laughs> So talk about my Machu Picchu trip. <clears throat> All right, so let's, my let's Machu Picchu trip, it was four days. Did I, did I, 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 I feel, okay. Do we, that, that's where I'm, you do talk about Machu Picchu a little bit in the book. A little book. bit. Yeah, because yeah. you talk about, um, or we talked about on the podcast too with, um, the trails. Yeah, like there's a, there's there's a shortcut trail, and then there's the oh, yeah, the multi-day the the multi camping one, mm -hmm. and how you started earlier every day to kind of finish at the same time with everybody else, and mm -hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah. What did yeah? Let's talk about Machu Picchu. Let's talk about Machu Picchu. <clears throat> so Machu Picchu, it, I I think the most memorable moment was the fact that I was, it was the day before I went on to the hike. I was so happy. I, I checked into Machu, uh, uh, Cusco mm -hmm. like five days early because I wanted to acclimate because they have the high altitude mm -hmm. um, problem. So if you're someone who have lung, lung problems or breathing problem, then they want you to make sure that you acclimate and actually take medication before you go there because then you would have respiratory issues and things like, like that. So I went there five days just to acclimate myself before I went on to that huge hike. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy. I was walking 
around town, had a lot of authentic uh, Peruvian food. I was really enjoying. Yeah. They have uh, something called cuy, C-U-E-Y, cuy. And it, what it is, essentially, it's a guinea pig. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a guinea pig. Nice. I came home, I told my nephew, hey, I ate your pet. I had guinea pig, it was good. <laughs> and they were good. Um, so I was going around enjoying the authentic, authentic food and everything. So I came down with the food poisoning. Right. The day right before I went on to that hike. So I checked myself into the infirmary, um, got into the hospital. And on that day, I was calling my sister. I said, listen, you know, I'm like, I came down with food poisoning. I'm in the hospital. And she's like, you need to come home right now. You can't go on to the hike. So like, it was... In that moment, I realized I could have died here. With the food poisoning? With the food poisoning and just being out there um, by myself. Mm -hmm. And it was the most um, <clears throat> not fully equipped hospital ever. It's kind of like just having a patient's bed and there's IV pole. Sure. Very, very ancient, you know, bath yeah, outdated. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was laying in the bed, and I'm thinking I could die here, and why did I do this? So there's that moment of doubt, or maybe I need to go home. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should call it off. Yeah, I shouldn't be here right now. This is a mistake. Mm -hmm. Those thoughts. Mm -hmm. They were real. I'm sure. Yeah. So, but then I realized that I made it this far. And for me to go back, that's more embarrassing than just being here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to come back home and, and be, feel embarrassed. Because that's it, it, the two kinds of death, right? It's the death by embarrassment or literal food poisoning and bad and, and, and physical mm -hmm. elements kind of death. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the embarrassment was stronger. Uh, yeah, being coming back home and not going through the hike yeah, was yeah, yeah. much more stronger than. And that's than, like an internal thing too. Like that's for yourself to live with that you didn't finish through. That's a yeah. That's, yeah. that's tough. It, it's pretty much um, at that point either I give up or I just suck it up and finish the four day. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and so I sucked it up and did the four day. And yeah. It really hurt my wrist because mm -hmm. it was a lot of push-up. And at that time, every time I walk far, anything that's long distance, I still use two crutches because this way I'm not just leaning on one because um, mm -hmm. it's creating a lot of stress on my shoulder. And <clears throat> as I'm aging, I'm aging. Um, we, we all I know, are. surprisingly. We all are. <laughs> as I'm aging, you know, it put a lot of stress on my shoulder. So it, anytime I have to walk far, I still use two crutches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it was just doing, I was just doing a lot of push-ups, and my wrist really hurt. It, it was to the point where I want to chop them off and just say, you know what, I'm done. You're just going to go with I'm the done. nubs? Huh? So you're going to go with the, <laughs> you're going to chop off your hands? <laughs> chop off my hands. And so it you was, don't have to do push-ups anymore? I don't have to do any push-up. I don't need to walk anymore. <laughs> and, you know, and people were... And saying that it's a very spiritual journey. Yes, it was a very spiritual journey, but mine was really a lot of not just spiritual <clears throat> from the outside. It was more of a spiritual from the inside. Yeah, yeah. It was a journey on the inside rather than the outside because every mm. step I was taking, it was like doing a meditation. Okay, Michelle, next step, next step, next step. 
<laughs> I can feel that. I feel that. So I wasn't truly enjoying, you know, the, the scenery. At some point when I stop and, and look around, yes, it was really, really beautiful. And I really enjoyed the, the environment. But in that moment when I was walking, and, and sometimes I have to walk like eight hours to 10 hours long per day, in that moment, all I could think about is, okay, next step, next step, and next step. And I remember uh, I hired someone to walk with me just in case I fall off or they need to uh, like find some help. In case you fall off. Yeah, fall off to the cliff. <laughs> I, I really went prepared and this is part of my planning too. So I hired someone to walk with me just to keep an eye out for me and just to make sure that I'm not going through any danger. And I kept asking him, how far are we? How far are we? And are, he would, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yes, I keep asking, are we there yet? And he said, no, just one, 200 more, 200 more. Okay. I'm like, 200 yards, 200 feet, 200 steps, <laughs> steps? Yeah. what is it? And so I keep asking, how far are we? How far are we? Because I was really, really just kind of pushing myself over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was not easy. I don't no. remember how I did it. No, I, it, oh, uh-huh. It was cold, like it's cold at night. So I had to bundle up and, and it was just, I don't know. It, I don't remember like exactly how I pull myself through it. And I think this is one of the things about, you know, all the struggle that we all, all go, go through is that in that moment, you feel that this is the end of the world. This is the struggle. This is the challenge, right? I would never be able to make it. Uh. But then, been there, been there. Yeah. <laughs> right? But then, when you, when you have gone through that journey and when you come out to the other side of the tunnel, you're looking back, you don't remember what it was like. And that's how short-term memory that we have. You don't remember the struggle anymore. You remember what you're feeling happy about. You remember now that you're here, you're, how, do, how, how did I ever go through that? You were gonna say something. No, no, for sure. That's uh, I. That's it's. Being in a gym makes me think about that, like I feel like that's a that's the lowest form of that resistance that we feel is like I don't want to go to the gym because it hurts and I don't. It's not fun and you just gotta like push through it and then you feel good at the end of it and you're like I'm glad I went to the gym. I was gonna ask you about. I think we talked about it a little bit last time, but. Are you ready to do something like that again? What's your, no, because like you said, you forget about it, but you kind of don't forget <laughs> about it because you also remember the torture because I've been on torturous endeavors that I signed up for that were much harder than I expected. And then I'm like, I don't need to do that again. I'm good. <laughs> But how do you, what's, what's, what's your... Funny, funny how you should ask, because the other day I was thinking, oh, I would love to go back to uh, Machu Picchu again. Mm -hmm. I would love to do it again. And, and feel and it out and see how the second time is, like the same, same kind of route or... Same, same route, because I feel like the first time I, I was missing out the, the beauty of it. The structures, you know, the ruin, all the historical uh, significance behind Machu Picchu. I wasn't there to fully embrace it because I was dealing with something very emotional, internal. And so I wasn't appreciating what was going on in the outside. And so all these, um, 
um, sites and all these uh, beautiful ruins, I didn't really get to see them. I didn't touch them. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm such a big, big person on the structure. I, when I go to a new place, you know, the first thing I want to visit is the, the places and I want to touch them. I'm like very visual about things. So I would love to go back to Machu Picchu and just to visit and feel what it really like to mm -hmm. go through that journey again. Sorry, I was already imagining scenarios with you in historic sites, like touching things, and like the people coming over, like, "Ma'am, ma'am, can't touch that." <laughs> I've done that. I've done that. And there's a rope there for a reason. You're just like touching things. <laughs> I, I've done that in the past. I went to New Zealand actually a year. I was visiting my friend, and I went from North New Zealand, traveled down to South. So I did a whole two island mm -hmm. thing, and this is before the uh, big earthquake in Christchurch. Okay. And I went through the whole thing, and every place I was on a bus, and I took my mom. I brought my mom with me because at that time I was still holding holding her hand because for a long time I didn't want to look like I'm not normal. So I took my mom because she would hold my hand, be my be my crutch, so I can uh, mm. alleviate some of the balance issue. Gotcha. And so I went through that, and I would do sightseeing. Every time I go to a place, I would touch things. And there's a lot of like the um, the the old ancient uh, tribe that they have a lot of uh, tribal stuff. So I would go and touch things. I remember this guy came out and he said, oh, "Ma'am, don't touch it." <laughs> Ma there's a lot of statues over there. <laughs> yeah, so I do things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's... And I'm a visual learner. And, and this is, like, I was telling people the other day, you know, don't talk to me about it's 100 feet, it's 200 feet, because I can't visualize it. I have to actually go through and do it in order to know and understand in my mind what 100 feet means. Right. It's like the guy telling you, don't worry, it's 200. Yeah, I can't visualize it. I don't know like, what that means. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Plus, uh, it kind of sounds like just a, a gym personal trainer, too, where they just lie to you the whole time. It's like, two more reps. Just two more. You're like, I just did two more. You said two more last, two more. <laughs> like, this is never going to end, is it? <laughs> oh, well, luckily, I had, a, I had a good personal trainer, so okay. he never lied to me. <laughs> okay. I'm all too familiar. He said two more reps, and we're going to do two more reps. Okay. And I, I, I said, you know, you said two more reps. I'm done. Okay, so that's right. more you. <laughs> All right. Because I know there's like the classic, um, who was it? There's like different actors that train for movies and stuff. And mm. the personal trainers will say, we just need like 15 reps here. And then the actor will do like 30 just because they're trying to turn into Proof. Wolverine or whatever. Oh. You know? So it's like, well, you know, I'm here to. Yeah. They're the overachiever. The overachiever versus, like, I'm happy just achieving. Yeah, that's kind I of more where I'm at, too. I'm like, I don't really want to try too hard. I'm just happy being here at all. Like, this is already a win. So that's <laughs> what that sounds like to me. You're, you're easy to satisfy. I'm pretty chill. I'm pretty chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I try to... I feel like life is a little... I, you know, it's, it's difficult watching people not be satisfied and how miserable they look. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be like that. So, so, so I'm curious. Do you have any like ambitious goals? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a big word. Like, do you like? Do you have any goals that you want to? So <laughs> what? It's like, do you? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But all right. So me. My goal, just, just made the first movie, 
the ambitious goal is all the steps to get there, of course, but it's directing a movie for Marvel Studios and jump. Yeah, that's like the ambitious goal. It's like those are the biggest movies that are released in this world today. And I would love to have my put my imprint on that kind of on that kind of project. So getting on a radar of that kind of level scale level thing is what, uh, so. What do you need to get there? Um, per research of previous directors that have been scooped up from indie world into that big that big universe, it seems to me. I'm sure it's all random and wild and crazy and who knows how things work out, but there's the, there's the level of getting stuff done yourself for a while in the, in the indie space where it's like, all right, some of these directors, I mean, have made some small movies, pushed them out themselves, done different crowdfunding, get them done, like have done whatever it takes. And normally like two or three movies in, they're in a position to where like, all right, they're ready to level up and they can have, like the stars get bigger in the movies and then they just they get better at, at putting themselves into the movie too in terms of the tone and what they provide as a director mm -hmm. and the combination of them honing their skills as and who they are and developing their craft and being paired with better people that are also interconnected in a weird mm -hmm. way to the bigger universes because they're also growing too so everybody's growing the same way trying to get to the same bigger thing right. so um, so that's kind of the weird thing is like just keep making stuff and really hone in on who you are put it out there because that's what they're looking for is that they have their formula mm -hmm. and they have the universe and they have their characters and what they want is somebody to come and put their spice and their little twist mm -hmm. on that specific like episode yeah. alright come in do what you do because we like what you do and, uh, and let's have some fun see they're the lurkers <laughs> they're the lurkers. They're Correct. the lurkers. They're, they're watching you, watching every step that you take to make sure that Eddie actually show up in his film, right? That, so, so yeah. that's a that's a on the next big um, Marvel company who's going to give you that project. What, what's your what's your ideal? What's your big Marvel movie? Oh no, 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 no! We're not going <laughs> to jump to that right now. <laughs> Hey, um, dream big. I haven't. That's the weird thing is like I've, I've thought about that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting because I, I wonder, to dodge the question a little bit, <laughs> like I think about, let's say, Taika Waititi. I don't know if you're familiar with that director. He came from the indie stuff. He's kind of quirky and wacky, and I love how he presents himself as a filmmaker. And he, in interviews, he's always super sarcastic and jokey and doesn't take anything too seriously. And I'm like, that guy's awesome. And he's doing, he's like on all the biggest stuff now. Since his Marvel, Marvel movie debut, now he's doing like Star Wars and he's winning Oscars and like all the eyes are on him now that he, you know, put himself out like that. But regardless, I was very curious and I, I, I would love to <laughs> have Tyke on the podcast. Somebody hook me up. Um, is... I wonder how he got his jump into Marvel. Like, did they... Because he, he directed a Thor movie, and nothing he'd done before really screams superhero or that kind of stuff. It's kind of just like he has a tone, and he's got a, a, 
comedic style. Um, and that's what he brought to Thor and kind of made Thor funny and, and unique and interesting, gave this colorful world to it and stuff. But um, like I wondered, did, did he, was he pitching himself to be scooped up for a Thor movie? Or did they have a Thor movie to make and they're like, we want this guy and then they scooped and then, and then, and then they reached out to him and like, what would you do with Thor? And then he kind of gets his brain going, comes up with ideas to pitch to them. Or was he already a fan of Thor? Like, I don't know what his scenario is. So I try not to think too much about like, oh my gosh, I want to work with Spider-Man and, um, or, or the Hulk, or I don't want, I've, I've resisted. There's something in me that's like general focus on what I bring to the table and then what they provide to me. I could be like, I could put my spin on that, but but you, should I get more specific? Is that what you're going to say? I, I think <clears throat> I think the only way that you're going to be seen is oh. you gotta you gotta showcase your talent. You gotta showcase your what you're good at, right? right? right. So there's something about you that makes you magical that only Eddie can do in these films. And the only way that you can get people to notice is number one by talking about it. And, and we, we're talking about it right now on the podcast, right? So hopefully someone out there who's listening, you're going to know, Lurker, Lurker, listen up. <laughs> Lurker, listen up. You're going to know this is what Eddie is about, what Eddie loves. So, so when you're listening to this podcast, you're going to be curious about, okay, so let me check out Eddie's film. And when they check out your film, do they see you? Your, your, your personal magic? Do they see how your authenticity shows up? Do they see your value, your integrity, right, and all right. that, right? That whole mm -hmm. package. And, and you also pitch. I think this is something that a lot of us, we don't do very often, is that we were taught to stay humble, be humble, I'm play very, small. I'm, I'm very humble. I know, I know you are. <laughs> And, and in a way, yeah. it's really good because it shows that you're, you're humble and you know where you're, where you're at. But what it's also doing is you're, you're not letting your magic helping more people. I, I, was really, I was really touched by the film that you made about Life Coach because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize that Life Coach is just a human being. Just like you and I, you know, we go through anxiety, stress, everything. So by... By being humble, we're actually suppressing our talent. We're suppressing our magic. Mm -hmm. So you go pitch. And I encourage you to pitch. Who do you need to pitch to? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and what, what are the steps to get you to pitch that idea that you have? And it goes back to that inspiration, that idea that comes to our head. If it's coming into your head, do something about it. Whether you put it on a piece of paper, you know, I'm going to come back and visit it, or you actually take it into action, but there's a reason why the idea came to you and not anyone else. Right, yes. So it's your personal magic. Yes, thank you. I, I appreciate the... Go pitch! Uh, I appreciate that. Go pitch at each time! Or, or, or you can actually reach out to the guy who made the, the throne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all of the above. All of the above. All of the above. But yeah, that's that's that. I don't know what to say about that. I'm scared. I'll, I was coming. To, I was going to your Facebook really quick. I wanted to talk about this is a this is total 180, not 180. You do this thing on Facebook, and I like what you do. 
What did I do on Facebook? No, you just, you're really good at putting out these like random question oh. conversation starter things. So I was gonna pick your brain a little bit on why you ask the, maybe a specific question and kind of get what you got from the interactions that mm -hmm. happened in here. So I'll go to a random one. This one's, this one's a nice one. The question is, if you have a magic wand, what would you want to do to make your life easier? What was the, so before, what response did you get? What did you expect to receive versus what you got? And then, and then what did you want to get? So I was hoping when I asked that question, I was, because I'm a confidence coach. So I was hoping that it would have something to do with confidence, right? But when I asked that question, surprisingly, mm. What people want to do is very random, mundane things. And with their magic wands. With their magic wand. Like what? What do they want? <laughs> they want people. They want their house to clean them, clean itself. Okay. They want uh, not having to, yep, yeah, not having to do these mundane daily tasks. Mm -hmm. They want uh, the people that's in their life disappear. <laughs> Mm, <laughs> like mother-in-law, <laughs> one of the one of my authors say, "I want my mother-in-law stop bothering me," and and that's that's legit, right? Because a lot of us we have these family members in our life where you know we want them to really don't distract us from what we're focusing on. So this is what I have learned from asking these questions. It's not the confidence that people are looking for. It's the things that make them don't feel confident in doing the things that they truly love. So if I have to get up and clean my house, and my house, I'm dreading, I'm dreading to clean my house. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I don't really want, there's a lot of dishes in my sink. I don't feel like motivated to clean. Is that you? <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I. You have a dishwasher. <laughs> no, what I do, I mean, I'll interject really quick since you ask. I'm very simple. Very easy to please. I I have I do like a meal prep. So when I eat, I just scoop stuff out of the Tupperware or whatever, and then warm that up. And when I eat it, I have a dirty bowl. Come back to the sink, wash it, put it to dry. Eat again. Use that same bowl. <laughs> like I could pretty much live off of like one, one bowl, bowl, one spoon, because I just reuse the same thing and wash it right away. So I don't have an issue of piling dishes. <laughs> yeah, but. but for someone else, you know, it's about cleaning the dishes and washing, washing the laundry. I can and imagine if you yeah. have a family or something that, that piles up quick. So if you spend a lot of energy cleaning your houses, it's something that you don't want to do. Chances are you're not going to be very confident in showing up elsewhere. Coming back to energy again. Yeah, because you're spending a lot of energy doing something that you really don't enjoy doing. And here you are when you're doing something that you're passionate about, you don't have enough energy to do so. Because you have all these everyday mm -hmm. distraction that's going on in your life. And that's what I have learned about people. And I love people watching. So that's kind of a way that I people watch on virtual world. Right. Yeah. So when I ask those questions, I'm really people watching. And I'm doing my study in my head. Hmm. I wonder what would be a good topic to talk about. It's interesting that they, I mean, I guess. Well, my expectation would be with the magic wand thing is like, it's usually 
like money related or like, oh, I wish. Boop. A bunch of cash right there. Or someone say, someone sure said money. Money or. Money is big. Money is the foundation. And, and during the pandemic, I think a lot yeah. of people are, you know, stressing about the money because either you got laid off from your job or you don't have a steady income. Um, so there's a lot of money mindset that we're working through. And when you don't have the secure foundation, the number of baby, number one baby step is to secure your foundation. How do you secure your foundation? You secure your money, right? And I, I love Dave Ramsey. So those of you who's mm. uh, working on um, money mindset, highly recommend to look into Dave Ramsey. On YouTube. On YouTube, yeah. And he talked about these seven baby steps. So your first step is to save $1,000 in your bank. That's your base foundation. So anything that could happen, say a car broke down, right? You need to take out some money to fix your car, then you can take it out from that $1,000 uh, saving that you, you have put away. So save $1,000. And then your next step would be to invest somewhere. And I'm, I'm going out of step because I don't exactly remember what sure, the seven sure. baby you'll, step is. Yeah, you'll go to Dave Ramsey for You're that. You're gonna go to uh, Dave Ramsey, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. But you need to secure that foundation first before you think about growing your wealth, before you think about growing your abundance, before you think about doing personal development, which is why a lot of time when I take on client, the first question I ask them is, do you have extra resources that you put away to, to work with someone like this? Because if you don't, then I want you to actually focus on where you can secure that resources before you think about how do I expand on that wealth before I think about uh, personal development? Mm -hmm. um, because there's other cheaper way of doing doing the personal development. You can you know sign up sign up to free classes. You know go into workshops and these are uh, many many things that you can do before you actually have that budget to to hire someone to work with a coach. Mm -hmm. So money is the foundation of everything. It's, it's about security, it's about you know, having a roof over your head, having the basic need is important. Money mindset. Someone, <laughs> someone brought it up. <laughs> yes, yes, no money is. It's huge. <sighs> yeah, money is. Yeah, and definitely like in, in something that I think about is like it determines what I'm able to do from the filmmaker's perspective too. It's like, all right, money dictates how big yeah, your production yeah, is. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, yep. work the way up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somebody actually wished for COVID, <laughs> they would wish for COVID to go away. That's kind of nice. Like, that's like, like, that's like a world peace wish right there. <laughs> yeah. Not many people wish for that. And, and so I, this is what I believe. I don't believe that COVID will go entirely away. Ooh. I think we're just going to have a better way of, right. of dealing with it. So chances are we're probably gonna have to re-vaccinate ourselves. I think uh, Pfizer is actually doing a study about the vaccine, how effective it is. And so far, there's one article that I was reading that it's the vaccine is good for six months. That's from the latest. Okay. <clears throat> for that, because that's the specific strains evolve mm -hmm. too much over six and, months. And it'll be just like the flu shots. Yeah, yeah. You know, we take every year. So yeah, I, I, COVID, I imagine that yeah. we're gonna do a COVID shot every six months or so. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. I, I could, I could see that. I could see that. That's the new norm. And our new norm also involves uh, more virtual videos and um, your publicity on the videos, mm -hmm. having more outreach on the video, YouTube, podcasts. 
Yeah. I'm going to jump to one another. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably do like three of these or something. But I wanted to go to this one too. I saw this one. This was just like. Not too long ago? This was last week or something. People always <clears throat> yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like my post sometimes. <laughs> uh, he's one of my lurkers. You, you post so much that I like to be specific about it. I, I post every day. I can't, I can't like everything. I like to be. So I bet, I'm, I'm I bet part, someone, I'm part lurker for sure. Someone, someone like that is on your feet too. They're I'm just sure. checking you out. I'm sure. <laughs> so you, you talked about the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. What do you believe? So people always say light at the end of the tunnel. What do you believe is at the end of the tunnel? So that one, that's kind of, okay. What did people say on that? I didn't look into that one. People what? said there's more tunnel. <laughs> It's just never people ending. People say there's an, it's a never-ending tunnel. And some people said there's a train coming towards you <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. And so I have a lot of uh, people with good They're, sense of humor. Yeah. And so what I believe is that it's a continuation of the tunnel. So there is no, there is no end to that tunnel. Okay, so you're on the never-ending tunnel. I'm, I'm in the never-ending tunnel. So, but you do see the light. And the light that you see is because you have accepted where you are. And, and you know how when we are in a dark room, in a dark place, when you suddenly walked in, you can't see everything, right? Mm -hmm. So you're in that darkness. You're in that tunnel. But for some reason, your eyes start to adjust to the environment of which you're at. So you start seeing things. And you start seeing and knowing exactly where it is. Because you're no longer fighting that, oh, I don't want to be in the dark. I don't want to be here. I want to I wanna get out of here. I want to hide. I want to run. I want to stay put. You stop doing all that. You accept the fact that you are inside the tunnel. You're in the shadow. You're in the dark. And you believe that if I were to keep walking, it's going to take me somewhere. And it's that inner trust that gives you the ability to continue on that journey, even though you may be in the dark. So is there something at the end of the tunnel? Maybe. But in my lifetime, I don't believe I would okay. see it. Yeah. And I don't believe I would ever be on the other side of the tunnel. And people have asked me this before, are you on the other side? And I don't believe I am mm. on the other <laughs> side. I believe I'm moving towards the other side. And that other sideness could be death, a mm -hmm. life after death, mm -hmm. a reincarnated world that I don't know. I may be coming back, but I hope I am not. Um, I believe this is this is it. Sure. My yeah. life, yeah. my life have evolved so much that I don't need to come back anymore next year. Next next <laughs> Next year. <laughs> next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because I was thinking, the term is normally used for like when you have a goal in mind, right? Like, it's like oh, for instance, again coming back to I just released a movie April second. <laughs> It's like, oh what's my gosh. What's it called? Like, You're going to tell people what's it's called, it called. It's what's on the inside. Look it up. Amazon Prime Video. Fandango Now. Ubiquity. Cable. VOD. Check your local listings. Um, so the idea of like, let's say me prepping for the release. It's like, oh my gosh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting so close. 
it's, it's normally set in the way of, all right, we're aiming toward a goal. We can see the goal now, it's getting closer. I could also think about it used with COVID too, is when, when stuff was opening back up or the vaccine was released, say, all right, I think like we're seeing the light now at least, mm -hmm. the tunnel's coming to an end, but then you stay, of course. It's not really gonna end. COVID's still gonna be around. It turned into like potentially a new flu shot, so the tunnel just keeps extending and the light is forever there. I, I think we're setting up ourselves to have high expectation. And when you set the bar too high, if you don't get to cross it, what it does for you is actually it reminds you the failure that you're experiencing, hmm. right? But if you have no bar at all, then there is nothing that you need to cross. If you have no bar at all. Like people said, you know, if you have no set. expectations. If you, know, you, if you have no expectation and you just take things as is, there is no bar. Sure. And things just is. Right. Right, yeah. so you're enjoying that present moment. Yes. You're being present. Yeah. You're not setting up any stories or writing any script of how the outcome is going to come out. Mm -hmm. Then no matter how the outcome is going to be, you're truly enjoying that moment because that's exactly where you need to be. Right. Yes. But so the, no bar. Zero bar. But is that like a is that like a zero bar all the time or zero bar most of the time or what's the percentage of living in which the bar should come back or how does that work? I I think it's it's zero bar, but using your zero limit. I think Joe Vitale, great, great guy, he has this book called Zero Limit. So okay. the, the idea behind zero limit is that you have infinite amount of ability to do and, and be who you are using your full potential. And so you have zero limit in accomplishing your goals. You have zero limits to achieving, crossing that bar, you have zero mm. limit to do all the things that you want to do in life. What's stopping you or what's stopping us is because of that bar, that invisible bar that we set, mm -hmm. they're becoming our, they, they, they are created by our limiting belief, they're created by our assumption, all these um, things that's happening around us. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that create that bar for us. So. A movie producer, how many films do you need to produce a year in order to get seen? A, a coach, how many clients do I need to get in order to have that you know, high, high uh, seven-figure coach, which you see all the time on, on, um, on social media. Oh, I can get you seven-figure all the time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you have zero limit, and you can do that. Um, so we have all these external beliefs that set right, up that right, bar. Right. So technically, there is no bar at all time because you are using your full potential, which is the zero limit. You have I like no it. limit. I like it. Zero bar, no zero limit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I guess I was thinking... Get that book, Joe Vitale. Joe Look Vitale. him up on YouTube. Great. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm giving away a lot of resources. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I like it. Yeah, no, because I was thinking about the... Uh, the balance of no expectation, but still an expectation that the future me will be doing stuff that the current me wants to, like there's that five years down the road where do you see yourself question, 
that everybody likes to ask, and it's like, I'm just happy with where I am. Like it's it's like a weird. That that's a goal. That's a destination that you want to go to, right? So yeah. I call those your mile markers. Sure. So it, but that creates an expectation. No. No, it doesn't create an expectation because when you set up your mile markers, let's say I want to um, write, your, write your book. I want to be able to write my book. I want to be able to publish my book in 2022, January 2022. That's a mile marker for me. Mm -hmm. When I reach it, how is it going to make me feel? Right? My outcome, my expectation, it's typically related to the outcome that I get. I would expect that when I publish this book, you know, I become certain somebody, mm -hmm. right? I get something out of this. But if I have zero expectation, I'm just gonna write the book and I'm gonna just gonna put it out to the universe, not having any expectation of how that outcome is going to be, then there's no sense of failure if, you know, okay, so January comes, I didn't have that book. Oh well, I guess, I need some more time to work on it, right? So it's a mile marker that you achieved, but you have zero expectation of how the outcome is going to look. Hmm. I can see it, yeah, mm -hmm. I like it. But it will come out. <laughs> but it will get done. It will get on done. On time. Yep. That's the plan. Even, it almost feels like, um, like a school project where it's like you cram at the last minute. You're like, wait, it's December. <laughs> <laughs> pump, 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 pump those pages out. Get that thing done, I promised. Well, again, you know, I can uh, procrastinate where I can plan and I can work around the reason why I'm procrastinating. The reason why I'm procrastinating probably, probably has to do with, um, I don't know, a number of things. Right now, it's not my priority. Right, priority. Yeah, my priority right now is actually speaking engagement. So I'm going to Columbia this year, October. Columbia. Yeah. Not like Columbia University. Like no, Columbia. actually South. Columbia. Columbia. <laughs> I'm going to Columbia because there's, there's an event down in uh, Columbia and I'm one of the speakers going oh, down nice, there. And nice. it, it'll, be, it'll be pretty cool. My first time in Columbia. Whoa, they're yeah. getting, the events are coming back, huh? Events are coming back. And there's more virtual event as well. So there's a lot of virtual summit that um, um, I have coming up in May and also one in, um, I believe it's July. And this will be your first time in Colombia? This will be my first time in Colombia. Nice, that sounds exciting. A, a very exciting. It, are you planning on? Uh, Taking a couple of days? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. okay. I don't of know what course. there is to do there, but I'm sure there's plenty to do in Colombia. Yep, there's plenty of things to do. Okay. So, yeah, let's talk about, I don't think we, we dug into this too much last time, but um, again, life coach, life. I was very curious on, again, to, to speak to my film, It's What's on the Inside, available now. Uh, you reference being a human and having... Anxiety. You know, yeah, all, all the stuff. Internal. All the stuff that everybody is dealing with still exists in you. Mm -hmm. How do you manage yourself while also helping cultivate other people? Like, do you have your own life coach on the side, or is it the, a community, or how do you, how do you, 
who do you talk to? What's your, what's your thing? If, so, if... so my thing is connection is big for me. So I talk to my friends. I'm actually in one of those uh, mastermind group with other coaches. Mm -hmm. So I would, we would meet every Friday and we talk about the struggles and talk about the things that we're working on. And typically, if I know that I'm procrastinating, I would bring it to them. I say, oh, so this week I'm working on writing more pages, more, writing more on my book. And they will hold me accountable. And mm -hmm. this is why sometimes a group setting is great for people who's procrastinating, because then you can find your accountability yeah. partner and then you can say to them, I'm working on you know, writing 10 pages this week on my book. And they're gonna check in with you, you know, the following week. Okay, so did you write the 10 pages? No, why? <laughs> right, so they would ask me why and what's going on there. So they would coach me around my um, reason for procrastination or my reason for not having a good day or what's bothering me. So I have a coach who coach me so to make sure that I'm doing and, and doing the things that I say I would do. Mm -hmm. So a coach needs a coach, and everyone needs a coach. Yeah. Because how, how do you feel about being that you're well-educated in the, in the field of assisting others and helping, and helping people through their, their life plans and transitions and all that kind of stuff? Do you have... How, how is it assessing yourself when you're going through stuff? Is it, can you go to the group and be like, here's what's going on, guys. I kind of know what it is already. I've already self-diagnosed. <laughs> or is it like, please, I haven't thought about it because I'm avoiding it. Or I don't know. Like, So, yeah. So typically, I'm a verbal processor. So as I'm talking, a lot of time I'm also coaching myself. Mm -hmm. So when I, when, I, when I talk to them, when I talk to my coaches, um, and I have a community of coaches, when I talk to them, typically I'm processing all these thoughts in my head. And when I say it out loud, sometimes they'll say, wait, but you just said this. What's going on there? Mm. And they would bring that awareness back to me and say, oh, yeah, you know, I just said that. What's going on there? So it would create and spark that initial interest of, let me just be curious and, and explore that myself. What was that all about? And when I start asking myself, what was that all about? I start having answers that I, I didn't have answers before. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I would sit in the session and talk, talk to a client like that. So what was that all about? And I'm like, hmm, okay, let me think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's that initial awareness. And, and I process it, throw it out to them, and they reflect it back to me. And again, you know, the answer is all within us. Mm -hmm. it's, it's what's inside. It's what's on the inside, available now. <laughs> Say it. Finish saying it. This is the this is the marketing. No, no, aspect. for sure, for sure. It's just I like I like saying it as a joke. Um, it's my humbleness. But okay, no, I could I could see that for sure. That's kind of how I feel sometimes. Even just talking with you, I'm like, no, I like I kind of have a good idea of who like what's going on, and then I say something. I'm like, but then in, in my brain, when you call something out or you say something, I'm like, well, I was I'm, I've been avoiding. I've been avoiding addressing that, and I didn't like you asking that because now I have to talk, I have to dig into that, and I'm like, no, I'm avoiding that. <laughs> but no, I, I, I like that. Sounds about right to me. That's cool. I, I think I'm the uh, first life coach on your podcast, huh? Correct. Yeah, did you yeah. did you did you knew that um, 
you were talking to a life coach on your podcast yeah like when you first invite okay yeah 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 because yeah i found you through that uh, that website mm-hmm. um podcast guest and you refer to yourself yeah yeah so i knew i yeah what, why do you why do you say it like that because it was interesting to me that you just made a film right right before the COVID. oh right right and then and then we connected and you invite me to your show and we connected and it just seems really, um, it's like universe has its uh, way of leading you to connect us together. Yeah, because I mean, that's, that's kind of a thing that excited me too, is I was like, well, I wrote, I'm like, well, let me talk with a real one. Because <laughs> of course, like during, with my research phases and stuff, like I probably was primarily basing it off of, um, some, I wasn't even life coach, because I've had friends that do like family and, mm-hmm. and marriage ther- therapy and, and that that kind of realm. And then, of course, there's the different YouTube personalities yeah. and, and all the stuff to explore there. So I, I ex- dabbled in all those kind of phases. But um, yeah, I was like, oh, she's a life coach and she wants to be on a podcast and she has an awesome life and she's cool. Let's do it. Yeah, I don't bite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, I, yeah, I didn't know you were a life coach. I thought you were trying to refer to like, um, uh, I guess okay. I've 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 kind of since avoided having other life coaches on since I've had you on, just because I'm like, I don't know. I try to mix it up. It's more my thing um, in terms of like, all right. I guess it, talk it to, works for me. <laughs> it works for you. It works for me. No competition. No competition. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I like to uh, diversify the conversation. It's like, all right, sweet. What's the actor perspective? What's the director perspective? What's the life coach perspective? And, yeah. and diving from there. But uh, I like that idea. And I thought you have a very unique way of um, doing your podcast. So you have one on audio, on iTunes, and Spotify. And then you have it on YouTube. Yeah. And and you you insisted on doing it in person, which which was really something mm. that I was really drawn to. And and when we connected over the phone, I was like, oh, he wants to do it in person. Great, let's do it in person. And it was during that COVID time. We're like, oh, are you okay with that, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there was a lot of uncertainty it's and fears behind it. And and yet, you know, we're like, it, you can tell that connection is our our big our shared values. It's very important. Well, it's very, it's very, yeah, I've, I, it's all, the whole podcast has existed post-COVID, so it's always a part of the conversation is like, all right, by the way, in person, because the conversation happens a little bit, uh, the interaction, there's a different element in there that I like that is preferable to. Mm. Different dynamic. <sighs> we call it dynamic. dynamic. That's the word. Yeah, yeah different dynamic. Because, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I describe myself as an extroverted introvert, and I need that like, I need that human connection. Otherwise, it I go, weird, I go a little, I go a little bit crazy if, if. Uh, yeah, with that thirty-second uh, live video. Thirty-second live yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, because you didn't, you didn't, you minutes? didn't have anyone. You didn't have anyone oh, right, right. to connect with in that initial 30 second. And mm. the moment that you are able to connect, you're able to make that connection with somebody. Wow. 
the whole, you guys should go back and watch his video on that 30, 30 minutes uh, <laughs> premiere day, <laughs> April 2nd. Yeah, because it's, it's available on my Facebook. Um, I don't think it, ex it stays on, on like Instagram. Those disappear, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I guess you can save them. To your story. To, you can save it. You can but... save it to your uh, IGTV. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I chose not to on the, on the Instagrams. But Facebook, we came on later too, which was the other thing. How do we... Like I, I don't too technical. It was too technical for me. So we just had like five devices on at once, <laughs> all on the table. So I was like looking at this camera, moving around, looking at this, and jumping everywhere. But the the big the laptop had the Facebook one on it, which is one that exists. And that one, I didn't know that there were like procedures to click on. I I just thought it was easy. I was all right, hit live, and I was like, oh, I gotta like clarify. The microphone and the camera hit okay all right test it okay hit and that was all happening while the instagrams were already live yeah yeah so by the you should you oh. should do my five-day spotlight challenge because that's what i teach people <laughs> how do to go live. like how to go live and there's like specific instruction on how to go live so tell okay i don't want to talk about the instructions but what is the benefit from your perspective on live what is what is so the benefit about going live is that people can see your true self. You know how that nervousness and you're showing up on the camera and basically you have nowhere else to hide. Mm -hmm. And it's that fear, the fact that you have nowhere else to hide, now you gotta say something, you gotta engage people. And that shows people who you are. Because I can do a recording, you know, make it all nice and pretty. We can pre-record, cut out, and doing some editing. Versus something that's going live, you can't do the editing. You can't change how you say something, how you made a mistake by mispronouncing a word. You can't do all that. There's no editing involved. Mm -hmm. So you're giving, you're giving people their true self. You're showing people who you truly are on the camera and who you are in your life. And so the benefit is that vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I also talk about on my feed is that vulnerability is your superpower. How do you use your vulnerability? Vulnerability knocks down the wall that you build between you and the person that you want to connect. It also yeah. knocks down the wall of how you're being loved. Mm -hmm. Like we, we all want to share our love, we want to give. There's a, there, there, it's a natural thing for human beings to want to give. To give is more than to receive, right? So we all want to give. How do you give to someone? They open up and they allow you to give to them. So when you create these walls, behind, hiding behind those uh, recorded videos, you're actually not allowing yourself to be loved and to be seen and to be heard. So there's a little bit of a disconnection there, and the objective is to connect, and live is better for that. Correct. Even if you're not really seeing the other people on the other end, at least you're able to present yourself in a more authentic manner? Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for summarizing. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> loquacious. It's all good. Yeah, because... Um, Okay, because that's another element that I like about this podcast. I love my podcast, of course. I love his podcast. Um, it's, it's the, when I tell people, when I have people on, I have like little bits that I, that I introduce 
Like, all right, like you look at, you can look at the camera if you want, blank stuff like that. When I say this is not edited, and uh -huh. I pretty much just put the full conversation up, some some people are like, oh. I'm like, okay, I guess like I gotta I gotta be on my game now. <laughs> Um, so I think it's a little bit of that like perk up of the live too, where like, all right, I have to like actually be in it because he's not gonna, he's not gonna correct anything or chop stuff out. It's like this is it's a lot of work to chop stuff out, and you don't want to do that because then you are cutting out the piece of of who you truly are to the audience, and and people want to see you. They don't want to see someone who's like all you know dressing up pretties and having it all put together. That's not what life is about. Mm -hmm. Life is about the ugly side of who we are. And, 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 by, ugly, and by ugly, you mean the beautiful side. Or, or you know, the, the part of you that you don't want people to see. <laughs> you know, because yeah, 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 yeah. a lot of us think that the part of us that we don't want people to know and to see is really not the beauty side. Yeah, this is my good side right here. That's why I sit on this. Just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, he insisted on sitting on that side. <laughs> I don't want them to see this side. He said, he said, no, Michelle, you're on the wrong side. You got to go sit on the other side. Yeah. I always sit on this side. <laughs> OK. Man, all right, cool. There's the clock right there. Mm -hmm. Doing good. I, I can't believe we have so much to talk about. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Loquacious. Look up that one. I will pull up one more. I, I, I like to, <laughs> I was thinking about it on the drive over too. I think about the Facebook stuff as Michelle Quayisms. Yeah, go follow me, Michelle Quay. I ask important questions or, or uh, uh, thought provoking questions. They're good questions. Sorry, I'm pulling it up. But unless there's anything on your mind right now. Um, well, just, this is, I'm just scrolling through. I'm going to talk about, we talked about the magic wand. I'm going to go a little bit further back in time here. Hmm. All right. Uh, it's okay. Take your time because, you know, I can, I can keep everyone entertained. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> How... I was very, okay, this one was interesting to me, this, this one right here. Which one? What is that? You're, you have your little, your bitmoji Anger. dude. Yeah. And this one was almost, I thought this one was a risky post. I didn't react to it, of course. Darker. <laughs> but um, you are asking, you, I like the way you introduce it. You say, I absolutely hate olives. And then you say, like if, got my pizza. I took out every single one of them. What about you? What is something you absolutely hate? I so, hate olives. So, <laughs> so okay. The interesting thing to for that for me was it's it's gearing the conversation to a negative place, and I thought that was an interesting take on starting a conversation because there's enough negativity on social media, but you're offering a place to vent this out. So what did what did you get on this one? Lots of things. So one of the one of the response was, "Hate is a strong word." Okay. Right, and and it is true. Hate is a strong word, but it's something that we all connected to. There's not a single one of us who we have not used that word once in our lifetime, 
or sure. multiple times. Sure, we all know the word. Mm -hmm. And we all can understand what that word means. We connect to it energetically. So the hate is actually a strong word. It tells me about who you are, right? What do you, what do you mm -hmm. like? What do you dislike? And what do you believe? And what do you think otherwise? Yeah. So olive is something that I hate. I truly hate olives. I would really, literally pick out every single olives because I don't like the texture of it. I don't like the taste of it. I think it tastes really bland. And it tastes really weird when you put them on pizza. I mean, pizza, come on, it's pizza. You put pineapple on your pizza, not olives. <laughs> Very controversial statements here, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, so some people would hate the pineapple. Correct. Because they don't believe. I'm not a fan of pineapple. Yeah, there you go. And I'm not too big of a fan of olives either, but I will eat it. I won't pick them off. I used to up until I was an adult, and then I got over it. <laughs> Unlike somebody. I never got over the olives. Okay, so. And, and that's who I am. So if I can <laughs> strongly, I can have strong belief about the fact that I hate olives and I'm not afraid to stand up and speak about it, then that is who I am. I'm not going to hide just to please someone. You're not going to be at a dinner party eating the pizza with the olives just to please the host. the host. You're gonna. I'm gonna pick out the olives. Hopefully, hopefully, in a respectful manner, with like, it's just who I am. <laughs> and then, you know, thank them for the pizza that they, you know, provide. I appreciate the pizza. <laughs> but, you know, this is who I am. I'm gonna pick out the olives right now. Please excuse me. You're welcome to have my olives if mm -hmm. you want. Yeah. But I am not going to eat olives. And so it comes back to the authenticity and are you being true to yourself? Can you stand up for what you believe in? Right? If you really have strong opinion about something, let's hear it. Yeah, but like what if, let's, let's say, what if we dug into, this is all hypothetically speaking, dug into your hate for olives and went to your childhood and it was actually connected to something else. It's like, well, you don't actually hate the olive. You hated that it was associated to the delivery guy that gave you guys the olives and or like it was bad pizza at the time and it was way old and you try to eat it and that was or like there was a misunderstanding way early on and for some reason you planted the olives are bad and you've avoided them ever since but if you gave them a nice try and these days you're like well actually olives aren't that bad so it, it comes down to two things right so i can have the knowledge or i can have the awareness that i don't like olive and it's associated to a childhood trauma from olives <laughs> That's what you're basically saying. Yes, a yes, childhood yes. trauma from the olives. It happens. It happens. It happens. It does. And and somehow in our mind we believe that you know we don't we don't like olive. We hate olives. That's right. That, that yeah, I'm not yeah. denying that. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's an foods. initial yeah. awareness that I may have trauma from the olives. But what do I want to do about it? I can try it and I can say you know what I hate olives. <laughs> I still don't like. I still them. don't like it. <laughs> I, I, despite the fact that I tried it and mm -hmm. I can stand up and say, I don't like it. I'm, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it, period. And that's, <laughs> that's being true to myself that I am not going to eat olive regardless whether or not, you know, I heal from that childhood trauma from olives. I heal, I, I fully <laughs> embrace that, that childhood trauma from the olives, but I will not eat it. And that's just me. Yeah, I think I think the word because the word hate 
can be strong and people have a tendency to apply it to things that this like, well, I just kind of don't like it. It's like, no, you don't hate is a, you know, like it's, we want to save that word for stuff like olives. Um, <laughs> it, it's a choice. It's, it's a, a choice. It's a choice. You can, you can dislike, you can hate something, but the, the actions that you take behind that hate, that is what determines, and, and you have the moral standards of the actions that you take, right? There's ethical standards and conduct. What do you do with that hate? Do you, do you choose to act it out, or do you choose to embrace that hate and just say, this is something true to me? And, embrace. And, and embrace it, mm -hmm. right? Accept it and embrace it and have a different way of exercising out that kindness. And I think this is a really strong word right now because, you know, there's a lot of controversy oh, around, correct. right? The hate, there's the hate, hate word. Yeah, a lot of people, okay, I'm gonna express some disappointment in, in the people that commented on your, they took the easy route out. A lot of people stuck with the foods because you started the trend with that. It's kind of on you. <laughs> this person hates beer. Some people hate pickles. One person went to spiders, which I understand that. That's, that could be a thing. I, I'm, I hate roaches. That's well, no, my roaches. Nobody likes roaches. Ugh. And that's actually childhood trauma for me. The roach? So, yeah, for roaches. When I, when I first came to America, I was in New York. And we used to live in this um, tiny little uh, one-bedroom or three-bedroom apartment where my uncle and aunt used to rent. And we, my mom, my sister, and I, we lived in a very small one-bedroom. And the bedroom involved with a queen-size bed, uh, having a single-size, a full-size bed in a in, 90-degree in, uh, angle. And every night, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I would see a wall of roaches, like small, tiny roaches. Ooh. They would just crawl out from somewhere. Uh. And I, every time I turn, there's, there's, I just see them. And I have broke down so many times. Goosebumps. Because I was asking myself, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to come to this country. I didn't ask to be here. Why, why am I even here in this country? I have friends who I grew up with in Taiwan, and I don't want to be in America. Sure, sure. I didn't ask for this. And so it was a huge trauma for me, just waking up in the middle of the night, looking at all the wall of roaches that just kind of manifest. That's kind of... Creepy, right? It's gross. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> dang. Yeah, and and I remember one of the one of the um, couple of doors down, there was this old lady. Um, she actually died in her apartment, and we didn't know about it till like days later when we were all walking walking past the uh, uh, the, the hallway, and we're like, "What is that smell? It's rotten. It's garbage and something." And then lo and behold, someone came in and knocked her door down. You know, the cop came in and and they found her dead in her apartment. No one knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's New York City. Sounds like New York City. <laughs> Not that I know anything about New York City, but I would I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. But I'm glad nobody went the route of 
that would be a weird place to do it for sure in this thread of like going like racial with it or something. I, I had people commenting on the racial racial things um, back in when the Black Lives Matter that happened. I remember I was posting something about privilege, and the way that I brought it up was um, so I was sharing my experience as someone being privileged. I've been privileged all my life here, coming here. I park in the privileged dis disabled parking lot. I I'm always the first one to get into the line. So I know everything about being privileged. So I posted a, I wrote a post about being privileged. And when, what you realize is that when you are privileged, it's a gift that people give you. I, I don't, I don't, people don't have to let me into the door first. They gave that to me as a gift. Mm -hmm. So they saw me coming, so I'm going to give you the, the benefit of convincing, com convenience to allow you to come through the door. I, they can easily say, you know, Michelle, you're gonna get to the back of the line like everybody else. So to me, a privilege is a gift. It's something that people, other people, exercise their kindness, exercise their compassion. They gave it to you as a gift. Okay. And so I remember making a comment about that because um, there was a lot of uh, discussion, especially on my feed, on my Facebook feed. People were talking about how there's the white privilege, right? People with white privilege. So th that word get thrown a lot um, around. Mm -hmm. And there are people, my, my Caucasian friends, my white friends, they're being attacked. They're being attacked for something that they didn't do personally. They're being attacked and they're being shamed. For having privilege. For having privilege. And so I was using my, my, my personal um, experience as someone who got that privilege and to share that with you know, my perspective of that word. What mm -hmm. does that word mean? Mm -hmm. And I remember someone had um, came on and she was full on attacking how you're, you're um, gaslighting everything, you know, that's not the point. And the point is, we are all privileged at some point in our lives. Someone else gave us the convenience of doing things. Maybe it's not you know, getting to the front of the line, mm -hmm. but someone gave you the kindness. They showed you the kindness. They showed you the love. They showed you something that you needed, that you're asking for, and they're willing to give that to you. And that, to me, is privilege. Hmm. So the fact that we're sitting here, it's a privilege. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I did have something that's more deep and um, detailed racial discussion uh, on my feet, but I don't, I don't want to say I'm gaslighting it. Um, um, my image is someone who's more positive, someone who being seen as a positive, and I don't hold on to any negativity myself. So I don't hold on to the grudges. If I had something that's really bad happening the day before, the next day when I wake up, I start texting them and all the happy thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't ever hold on to something that's very negative for a very long time. So when I post something, you know, I don't want to just be someone who remind people how difficult life is or how struggling, how much struggle that we have to go through every single day. No, I want to remind people that there's so many beautiful and grateful things that we can look at and remind ourselves that every moment on, on, on this planet, it's counting towards something. Right. So you get to choose. Do you want to focus on the negative or do you want to focus on the positive? 
And the more that you engage those positive, positive um, um, posts, you'll notice that your Facebook algorithm will change. And I think we talked about this on the social, what was that movie called, The Social Dilemma? Yes. Yeah, back in... Uh, yeah, you had watched it, right? When I we talked it. about it? Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people think about social media as something that's very negative. But it's actually uh, brilliant how Facebook and, and Instagram works because you'll notice that if you, the moment that you click on something positive or you click or liking a post that's coming out from a life coach, then <laughs> suddenly you see a lot of things that appear that has to do with life coach or some, something that's positive. And that's how the algorithm works. Um, so you can use it to your advantage by engaging more positive posts rather than negative. If mm -hmm. you're going to start a conversation that's uh, all about hating people, then guess what? More, more of that post is going to show up. That person, every time that person posts something, you're going to see that. Yeah, so it's yeah, all yeah. in the behavior. No, I, I, yes, that is how <laughs> it is. That is how it is. I was going to ask about, I guess being that we're on that topic, I don't know if, Again, I don't want to put more attention on it, but the one of the the big news cycle things is the stop Asian hate is 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 in the social sphere of attention right now. Did you have any opinions on all all of that that's going on, or what your what your take on it is? My my opinion on that is. It's been going on years and years, and as Asian, as Chinese, I know, I know that it exists, and there's no denying of that. Right? Discrimination exists. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of calling it out, speaking up, and I applaud the people who are speaking up. Right? And I applaud the people who really stand up and, and, and point it out, that bring it to the light, that there's Asian hate. And I don't, I don't believe it's just the Asian hate. It's everything. Like all these discrimination that's going on in our world, it's, it's real. You, we may not be talking about it, but it's there. You know, coming, coming to America, it was, there's a lot of moments where I'm being treated because I'm being seen as Asian. Mm-hmm. In a, in a, you're being seen in a, in a negative light because you're Asian? Mm -hmm. so, so I've been told to um, go back to your country, or um, um, they, they talk about, I, I remember uh, back in high school, people would walk up to me and say, oh, you know Kung Fu? Because they, they look at you, they're like, you're, you're Chinese, so you must be someone who knows Kung Fu, right? But no. Because all, all Chinese know Kung it, Fu. Yeah, yeah, all the Chinese know Kung Fu, apparently. Um, so here's the, here's the thing, I, I remember posting this on my Facebook too, it's about self-identity. I, when I came to this country, I had a lot of trouble identifying myself, exactly where do I belong? Because when I left Taiwan, I thought I was Taiwanese, but to Taiwanese, my parents, they were Chinese. Mm -hmm. So they identify me as Chinese, as someone who came from mainland China. But I'm not from mainland China. I was born in Taiwan, so which makes me a Taiwanese. But Taiwanese doesn't see me as Taiwanese. They see me as Chinese. Yeah. Now, when I go to China, people don't see me as Chinese. They see me as Taiwanese. So I'm like, in between, I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And then coming to this country, now I am, who am I? I've been called Chinese. I've been called Taiwanese. I've been called uh, Asian American. 
Um, but in reality, I don't consider myself as Asian American because I wasn't born here. So there's that element of I wasn't born here, so that doesn't make me a Chinese American. It makes me uh, just immigrant. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I start losing that self-identity, exactly yeah. who I am, and where do I place myself? So that bigger sense of belongingness, I was looking for it. And when people tell you, go back to your country, all right. I didn't want to come to this country in the first place. <laughs> Duh. Uh, so that was what I was struggling. I was struggling to find my identity in this country. And what finally clicked for me was the moment I got my citizenship paper. I say, I'm American. I am an American, and I was born in Taiwan. And that's how I introduced myself, too. I said, I was born in Taiwan, but I'm American. I hold the citizenship paper. I have the passport, which makes me an American. I make American money. I pay tax in America. That makes me an American. And would I stand up and fight for American? Yes, I absolutely would. Would I fight for my people? Yes, I would absolutely would. And that kind of just became my aha moment that I finally have a country where I can, I can mm. belong, I can work. I, I called it home. Yeah. And I think it's that sense of calling it home that was something big and real for me. That is big. And, and so when I go back to Taiwan, people say, oh, you're American. Yeah, I and am. And you're like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. No, that, that's OK. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think it comes down to having that empathy, practicing that empathy. And empathy is that ability to, to understand and to share what the other person is going through. Yeah, because I, I know the issue that comes up too with, uh, with this kind of like moment is there's, there's, the, there's the classic advice of like taking the high road is, the, is that's kind of almost, that's almost, that is what you're talking about too, like is empathizing, understanding, they're saying that because there's stuff going on in their lives and they're projecting onto me, like all that kind of stuff. Like it's not even me they're talking about, they're projecting something else. They're referring to this broad thing that has nothing to do with me, all that, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, to, and, and taking the high road takes a lot of energy too. Where it's like some people just want to fight back and like give a like insult back or like I don't know. There's really a no-win scenario in there. Like the best case I feel is is what you're saying too is. Uh, I, I think I don't know. It's, it's, it's any messy. you you have a lot of different way to respond to how people are reacting to you, right? So if people people are throwing rocks at you. What do you do? You have two options. You can run away. <laughs> You can hide, or you can fight back. Mm -hmm. And all of these actions are appropriate, however that comes up. You're just being your best self. And same thing with the other person who's hating right now. That is their best version right now. That is how, how they can show up in their best. Because they haven't really gone to that understanding of, Oh, you know, I need to question my belief. You know, what is it that I'm believing about this person? What is it that I need to understand about the other culture? How can I understand the other culture more? 
And so when that person doesn't understand, you can't force them to, to just shatter their box and shatter their belief all of a sudden and coming out and understand what you're coming through, right? So you're asking that person to see through the same lens and same idea and same attitude as you, and you're expecting that person to act in a certain way out of your own expectation. But in fact, you know, every one of us are on a different journey and there are some of us, you know, we, we don't understand something. And when we don't understand something, what do we do? We can be very defensive. We can uh, mm. attack someone, right? Because they don't understand it. They've never seen it before. This is a whole new idea for them. And there are people like that. And not just about the racial um, injustice. It's not just about, you know, having a different life experience. There, there are people who have not been exposed to this type of new belief or new way of behaving or new way of living in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, idea, just ideas in general, right? Yeah, it's not their fault. It's just that they haven't been exposed to it. So understanding, empathy. Mm -hmm. And then finding a way to expose them to it. <laughs> finding a way to educate them. Education is important. <laughs> educate them. And this is why you and, you and my work are important. Through your film, oh, right, through right. your production, it's what's inside. It's what's on the inside. It's what's on the inside. Streaming now, available, Amazon Prime Video. Look at it for it there. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 that is definitely something I keep in mind when I'm creating stories and such is I like to present, I mean, like I get to, I have an opportunity to present what what my normal is or what what people react to, what people don't react to, how people react. So the, the little worlds and bubble pockets that I create, it's kind of like this is how I would like to see the world or this is how interactions could go. Like it's kind of fun getting in there and, and, and then that, that is the interesting part too. It's like, all right, now people are gonna see the interaction and it could be a level of exposure for, for some people where I didn't know they needed exposure to it, but it's like, this is like, to me, this is how it should be or whatever the case is. And I, I think it comes it's, down it's to weird. haters always going to hate. Haters going <laughs> to hate? Haters going to hate, right? So you can give them the piece of education. You can present it to them. And there's an underlying message, right? So I, I think you, what, where over the years when I watch, I love movie, by the way. I love films. I watch films yeah, yeah. a lot of time. And so when, when you reach out to me, I'm like, oh, he's a screenplay, screenwriter. That's interesting. Let me, mm -hmm. let me uh, learn more about him. So I went onto his w website, and I learned more about edit before I actually say yes to this sure, podcast. Sure. Um, but like, what I love about film is they always teach you something deeper than what's on the surface level. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I think on the most part. For the most part. I think on the most part. I, I have not watched any film that doesn't have a deeper meaning behind okay, it. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So, so I think that's the whole idea of the work, the type of work. And, and no matter what field that, or what industry we're in, the ultimate idea is to raise that consciousness one person at a time. Hopefully someone who's watching this video is also going to think about all the th stuff that we, we talk. Hmm. Right, listening to the podcast, they're also going to think about, oh, what are some of the beliefs that I have that would trigger me to use the word hate? And hopefully there's always that underlying message that we're trying to send to people. What do I want to share with the world? 
So what is your message to the world? What is my message to the world? Yeah, yeah. if you have Dang. your 30, 30 minutes time, or 30 seconds, actually, we're going to cut it down to 30 seconds. You only have 30 seconds to pitch to the world. What know. is the message that I, you want the world to know? It's a good, it's a good, good question. I, I ask you questions. It's a good question. Um, I, I, uh, I don't, on the spot here, it's tough, it's tough. I'm thinking about, um, I like to, I don't know, it kind of comes down to some stuff that you've said where it's, uh, it's not necessarily the empathy route, but I am a big fan of empathy. Um, I know for a script I'm writing now is kind of maybe what I'm thinking about. It's um, geared toward the the being in the moment, not not stressing too much about what you don't have and who. Like the the wants outweighing what you already have and the unhappiness that comes with that. And uh, I, I don't know. It's <sighs> it comes out. So. I don't. I don't know what my message is. About thirty seconds. This is where I can help. I can help you find your message. Sure, sure, sure. So it comes down to your values, your personal value. What do you believe in? What? In terms what of what? In so terms so of that's what? it. We, we that's can, it. We can dig right now. Sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I love being deep. You know, I'm water type, so I'm all about searching meanings. So that's it. Imagine yourself. You're going away on a journey. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> You're going to pack three things in your suitcase. You can only pack three things in your suitcase. Nothing more. Just three. Okay. What would you pack in your suitcase? You're going to a deserted island. No one. No one's there. What would you pack? All right. Three things. Okay. Let's think. <laughs> I don't know if there's a correct answer to this. No, there's no correct answer, by the way. Okay, because I'm not, I'm not too educated on the surviving on a deserted islandness. So, the three most important things that in your <laughs> life you want to. Bring. Oh, okay. It's tough. I don't have much to begin with. Your phone, your notebook, your family. What would you? What would you pack? I can bring my family. You're gonna pack your family? No. Uh, no. <laughs> you okay, can. Okay. Okay. Look, I think about. I'm gonna dodge the question a little bit here. I'm trying to. I'm trying to work through it, while I, I speak. But like, I think about the move to Los Angeles and the current way that I live my life is very minimally. Like, I don't have much. At all, I don't rely. I, I'm going the very independent route mm -hmm. with I worry about myself and I have nothing, no one else to take care of. It's just like, all right, survival of myself. I can, and then I try to pack small too. Like my abilities for what I provide to the world aren't really tied to making sure I have specific camera equipment or gear it's like no the important thing that i provide comes from within me and like my ability to see how i look at things what i retain in my mind the ideas that pop in my head like that's that's kind of what comes into me and what i provide 
for what I do. So then when I think about, all right, I'm going somewhere, I'm like, do I need anything at all? Like I could probably just make it just with me and my body. But um, so I was thinking of lame things like, well, you know, I want a canteen for water. <laughs> so, so having that <laughs> and maybe self... a pot for some for some stew, I can make some stew in there. But that, that's regardless, okay. Yeah, sure. Eat, yeah. drink, and eat. Start with the hierarchy of needs there. But yes. So, so having that self-identity, having that purpose, that sense of purpose that I can provide is important to you. And those are your values. These are your personal values, that self-identity that I can provide, that compassion will be important to you. What do mm. you want to give to the world? It's about giving, right? Of so, course, so your of message, course. your message yes. is about compassion, and which makes perfect sense why you say empathy earlier, because having that empathy is about giving, it's about sharing, it's about providing. So those are important for you. So your message perhaps is about compassion, kindness, love. Oh yes, I love it. I like that's a good message. No, I, I've <laughs> There's your message. I've written. Yeah, I've written. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Because I've written stuff before, and like the actor, the actors will read it and then ask me questions about like, is there like some deeper like thing in here in terms of, is there like some drama between them, or is there, is there some like sexual tension there? And then I'm like, actually no, like she doesn't think anything of him. He's there for a specific mission, and 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 then he's like, oh, it's just it's just two two happy people kind of going through like a thing. And I'm like, yeah, it's just you know they're. They're just authentically themselves and going through a, a little little mystery story here and being kind and, and being weird and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, compassion I'm sure, is good. I'm sure when you, when you dive deeper, when you look into it, no, go yeah, back yeah. and read it again. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're going to spot like the love, the compassion, the empathy coming out from that. No, 100%. No, that, yeah. that's all in there. I, I just dug his initial summarization of like, oh, it's just two happy people. And I'm like, yeah. The, yeah, it's just two happy people. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I like it. This is, yeah, they're not, they're not depressed. Yeah, it's just, it's a good day and miscommunication issues and yeah, and then of course there there is the nice there's a nice reveal. It's it's my short film Oak Milk is what I'm talking about specifically. Oak milk with a K. I saw that one too. Yeah. That one was pretty interesting. Oh <laughs> I, I love the, the cat scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a cat scene in there. Yeah. There's it's it's all hinging uh the young gal has a case of spilt milk mm -hmm. and doesn't know um how that happened. But uh, there's a nice moment in there that I like a lot where she really doesn't want to blame the cat for doing it and isn't really ready to admit that that's kind of what happened because then that means that there's some disappointment there. And then he sees that in her and reacts in a way where he lets her off the hook mm -hmm. and they go out and search some more and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, so... Happy, happy cat and girl story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just happy cat and happy girl story. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and there's that love. There's that love and, you know, compassion. Exactly. Coming exactly. in from that, oh, she doesn't want to, yeah, blame the cat. 
It's important. Your mm -hmm. cats mean a lot to people. And pet, oh, heck yeah. Yeah. And I, you, I had a cat. And I could imagine it being treated a lot like a child, where it's like, you're perfect. You do, there's nothing, is doing no wrong from you. And then that denial in the head when something does go wrong, it's like, yeah. No, it was the wind, right? Like, the wind did that. You're good. Don't worry. So what also changed uh, since we last time last spoke was also my cat. So mm. I had a cat, and my yeah. cat died uh, on New Year's Day. Mm. Um, he died out of uh, cancer. I had him for 17 years. <sighs> yeah, I had him back when he was a baby. I adopted him from an animal shelter. Mm -hmm. I brought him home, and he's been like with me the whole entire time. So when he passed away, I didn't realize how much he means to me. And when he passed away on that day, I was kind of lost. I didn't know what to do. And when I came home after the vet, after the hospital, um, I was just kind of looking for him. I always had that image of him waiting for me at the door when I come home. Mm -hmm. And for that whole entire month, I thought I could hear the bell ringing. Mm. Like every time I walked in, I could hear it. And I actually kept the uh, collar that he, he wore in the past, and I put it on the teddy bear that I hold. So I would hold the teddy bear at night just so that I can sleep at least the first um, week or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize how much he means to me until he was gone. And yeah, I'm, I'm putting it out to the universe. I'm looking for a cat. Mm. I'm looking for another cat. Nice. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, what was, what was the cat's name? Buster. Buster. Yeah, well, I, have a, I, have a, I have a dog's name for a cat. You know, no, Buster, Buster is a cool name. Buster, Buster is cat. a dog's name. No, bust. <laughs> These days, humans, dogs have human names, and, <laughs> That's true. and cats have dog names. It's all all good. And humans the have same. humans have pet names, and what? It's all over the place. But That's it true. sounds like Buster had a nice long life there. He did. Seventeen years is a good run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting because I know how how did you determine that. It, that you're, because we're currently in April, you said that was January, mm -hmm. and uh, how long did it take until you said that you're ready for, for another one? A month and a half, and, and I kind of saw it as, you know, that love about giving and, and showing mm -hmm. and sharing to someone else. I see it as now, now that he's gone, what do I want to do with that love? Do I want to feel hurt and I don't want to have another cat who might die again and leave me behind? Or do I actually want to carry that love and give it to someone else? And I think I chose, I'm choosing the second one, the mm -hmm. second option. Mm. I want to give that love to someone else who needs it. And, and when I look around, I'm also going back to adoption. I don't want to buy a cat. Yeah. I want to adopt a cat because it's, cats are like people. Cats are like kids. They're, you look around, there's so many kids in the world who were abandoned, who were unwanted. And we're, what do we do with them? We put them away, right? We put them into an adoption center or we just give them away. And same thing with cats. There's so many cats in the shelter who needs our love. And instead of buying a cat or buying a pet, why not go to the shelter and adopt? Mm -hmm. And it's the same love that you're giving to this 
cat who's going to be, you're going to take that person home. And it kind of goes the circle back to the fact that, you know, I walked into the gym. It's that sense of belonging. Someone took me in. And I want to, now that I have the ability to give and to love, I want to be the person who's giving the love. Yeah, yeah. To a nice, a nice little deserving soul there. That sounds very nice. Cause I, no, I think about like um, my... You have a dog, right? I, I grew up with a dog. Um, his name was Buddy. And I do not remember when he passed away. But it was a it was a big event for the family. It was a big family. It was our the only dog that we had growing up and stuff. Um, I think he made it to like thirteen or something. He had a, he had a good life, and every time I go back home up to Reno, I have to ask my parents. I'm like, all right, so you like you looking? Is it time? Are you guys ready for the the next one? It's been it's been years now, and uh, just because Buddy was with us for so long, that's why I kind of ask about how do you know you're ready for 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 my parents, because being, okay, having a family dog is different, because it's like me and my younger brother were there, and then my dad, you know, it's like a four-person family caring for a dog that needs a lot of attention, so at least you had two young kids growing up with it, and all of that, but now that me and my brother are moved out, it's just my parents, they're like, we don't know if we can give the dog the attention, I kind of feel like it's excuses, but calling my parents out, I know eventually I feel like there's going to be, they're, they're, Eventually, it's going to be like, all right, sweet, there's a new family dog, and I'm excited to be like, I'm really excited because I know there's a lot of love to give there, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm stoked for, um, for when there's... I, I think being ready is something that's very personal. 100%. And it's, about, it's about your healing journey. So if you're not healed from that hurt, then, then the, the departure... Right? Then, then think about that before you do the adoption. Have you already healed from the past and that you know that you can fully give your love to a new dog, a new kid, or a new relationship? If not, then you're just feeling, feeling that you're just hiding that hurt that you already right, went through. Right, right, right. And you're just kind of finding replacement. It's like a Band-Aid. A Band-Aid. And eventually, something is going to show up and suddenly, you have to face in that relationship. Yeah, because you don't want you don't want uh, the premature like yeah the premature relationship or the premature pet because then that's sucky for the dog to be the band aid because it's yeah it's just you don't want to put another soul in that position of. Yeah. So, so work on ourselves first. All right. Sorry, before, parents. I'm apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> before we get into the next relationship, and this applies to not just the pet, but also like people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. That's good advice. I like that. But it's it, it is difficult to. Maybe you'll incorporate that to the next movie. <laughs> you say, oh, the Michelle gave me the idea. <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's. That uh, currently writing two movies actually. One of them has a little element of that too, mm-hmm. where uh, our our guy, I think he was left at the altar, or he was engaged to to a woman, who I don't know. It has nothing to do with it actually. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that he they were engaged, and she she left him because he didn't have the ambition in life that 
she wanted him to have. Like she was, yeah, she wanted to marry a doctor and. And he's not a doctor. And he's not a doctor and he had no ambitions to do it. So after they broke up, now he has the ambitions. He's working towards saving up for medical school. But they're not even together anymore. And he's kind of like, he's trying to fill the void of like, I messed up with her. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to medical school to kind of win her over in a way. Even though he has no intention of going back to her, that's kind of like the void he's... It's your motivation. Yeah, unknowingly there's, giving himself, yeah. Yeah, there's motivation from that, that, that initial hurt that we've gone through, right? So that hurt, you can take it as, you know what, I'm going to feel sorry for myself, and you know, I lost her, and spend the rest of your life feeling being a sorry guy, and just you know, knock yourself out with alcohol and drugs and everything that you can tap away from actually facing it, mm -hmm. or you can do it in a more productive way well, she wanted me to be a doctor. Why don't I let me try it and see what happened, right? And you end up opening up the door to opportunity, and you don't even want to go back to her anymore because you have grown so much, yeah, and yeah. she probably doesn't want to be back, be uh, going back with you because you know maybe she found something else on her yeah, journey. Or maybe the doctor thing was just an excuse to get out of it too. <laughs> Who exactly. knows? Who knows? And so I think the timing is really important. Yeah. It's not, it's not that the other person doesn't love us, the other person doesn't see us. It really comes, comes down to, you know, we're all traveling on a different path. And ultimately, I believe this, um, that we're just walking each other home. We're just walking just each walking other home. walking each other home. Whoa, through the tunnel. Through the tunnel. We're walking with each other. Okay. I think that's a nice, that, that's a good... Uh, I like, yeah, I like that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And, and my home has a porch light. This is something that I've uh, been having, this vision of me. What do I want to do with my career? What do I want to do with my mission in life? I see myself having this patio in the front and right at the front door, and there's this light that I can turn on for people. Mm -hmm. And people would describe me as someone who has a lot of light, energy, and right? So I imagine myself sitting there on my porch, having my light on, <laughs> and all I'm doing is just inviting people to have a seat with me. Mm -hmm. Have a conversation with me. Yeah, nice. Like any conversation. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my podcast is called Perfectly Normal. <laughs> Perfectly Normal Podcast on the Porch Under the Light. Yep. Come to my porch. Yeah, nice, me. nice. Yeah. Nice, very open invitation kind of kind of space. Open arms. Is that the proper terminology? Mm -hmm. And I think that's who I am too. It, it's really, it feels good to say that, to believe that, to see that. Mm -hmm. um, it feels everything is in alignment right now. Yeah. Because people have been describing me as this light you know there's something about my presence that i bring to people i make them feel comfortable i make them feel safe and and that's the kind of person i am mm -hmm. and that is who i want to be yeah someone who's warm open arm welcoming inviting yeah you're you 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 described it earlier too it's the vulnerableness of Letting your guard down for them to be open to with you, back and forth kind of thing. Yeah, I was I was sharing on my Facebook the other day. I said I made people cry. Right. Yeah. 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 You mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I made people cry, and I think it's that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. 
I make people feel really safe and comfortable so that when they sit next to me, they have a tendency to open up like all these emotions and things that they didn't, they didn't know how to release. Suddenly they have a place to let go and to release so they feel comfortable. Yes. And I guess last, last topic here. I feel like we can close. Well, I don't know. We'll 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 see we'll see where it goes. But um, I know, cause like I mentioned, or we mentioned, you were on episode four, mm-hmm. and since then, I had I've had a few people in my life that have been going through transitions, and I, I noticed that like oh they're only talking to like their mom or family or like someone that that their that their job connected with them like everybody kind of has this like a pre-agenda on advice or an open ear or like even you know talking to me about it and i'm like well i know who you are and i know what you're doing and i have this preconceptions about you and i have a longer history and like all this stuff like don't talk to me don't talk to your mom don't talk to your work like you need somebody else to talk to that's going to be a little bit more i don't know if the word's objective but regardless I had, I brought up your name to a few people on like, reach out to Michelle Quay and talk to her and see what she, like, just, just, like, I don't even know how it all works. So I'm like, just contact her, see what happens. Cause I, I, I like the, it scares me when sometimes people are going through a big thing and they only talk to people who say what they want or talk to people who obviously have an agenda that are trying to dictate a direction for them. And I'm like, get, get away from that. How? But I didn't have any luck. I didn't have any luck connecting. Like, I, I just kind of brought it up, you know, whatever. And I don't think, I don't think they ever attempted it. So how does, how does that work? <laughs> how Because how that's a tough bridge to gap. So people don't realize that they need to talk to someone who's more neutral, someone who's, right. who's um, you know, outside of their circle, because we're so used to being comfortable with someone and we share our vulnerability, right? But, you know, the problem with that is a lot of time, if we're, we're friends, you would only say things that I want to hear. Oh, don't worry, he'll come back to you. It's okay, everyone go through the same thing, and here's what you do. So we're, ju- we're quick in jumping to giving advice. And what, what happens when you give people advice? You take mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. or sometimes you think about it, um, yeah, that doesn't really work for me. Or you try it for maybe a week, a month, and suddenly you find yourself going back to that circle again. Oh, you know, we broke up, and he doesn't like me. I text him. He's not replying back. So all that is just a vicious cycle. Keep going through, and you're not really seeing where you're being stuck because your friend, your, your circle of, of trust, your tribe, is not telling you what you're not seeing. They're right. there to support you emotionally. They're there to, to uh, give you their encouragement, but they're not there to help you to step out of your box. Sometimes we have those individuals, mm-hmm. right? They really are honest to ourselves and they're, they're, they'll share, Michelle, why are you thinking that way? What if, what if you were to think differently? So there are coaches but, and, and among sure, our sure, friends who sure. are able to give us that objective uh, opinions or objective 
perspective so that we can actually have the ability to choose. So how do you get someone to realize that they need a coach? You can't, they have to be ready for themselves. And so you can't force someone no, to sure. go get a coach. You can only tell them, hey, I have a coach friend, what did you do? Why don't you talk to her? She yeah, might yeah. be helpful, just give it a try. And Which is what I said. Yeah, and when they tried it and fail other methods, they're gonna remember that Eddie has said that there's a life coach that he knows who can help you. And that's the time you start remembering, mm -hmm. oh, Eddie, who's that life coach that you were talking about? Yeah, plant the seed. Plant yes. the seed. Yeah. You can only plant the seed, and it's up to that person to whether to act on it, or maybe some, some years down the line, they're gonna remember, oh my gosh, you know, it hasn't been working for me. Why is that? Mm -hmm. They start looking into uh, ways that they can tap out of it. And they're gonna remember. Yeah. Eddie knows the life coach. <laughs> ideally, yeah, no, ideally. <laughs> plant no, the seed. no, no, for sure, seed. yeah, because that was, that, I found that interesting because I pushed, I know, like, I know I like, I, I remember like conversations where I plant the seed and I mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And then like a later conversation, three months later, I'm like, having a similar conversation to what it was before. And I'm like, all right, remember I mentioned <laughs> what you need, I think, or what would be helpful, or I don't even know if it'd be helpful, but maybe give it a shot. And it's like, yeah, yeah, no, no. there's definitely a lot of fear with, with that kind of stuff. And it's, yeah. it's tough. And, and they, they, they don't know who Michelle is. So, so you gotta encourage them. Which I them. think is great. Here, here <laughs> is Michelle's page. Go check her out and you can oh, read her okay. stuff, okay. right? If you trust her, if you like her, and it comes down to the trust. If I don't know someone, do I, can I have enough trust to share what I really am struggling to that person? So chances are probably not. It's okay, that fear, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So not only do you want to plant the seed, and this goes for everybody, right? If you have someone in your life and they keep coming to you with the same problem, that, and you don't want to hear that anymore, you don't want to deal with it anymore, and you really truly believe that, that coaching can be really beneficial to them, what you wanted to do is you want to refer them to my page <laughs> so they can connect with me to know more about what is it that I do. I had her on my podcast. You can watch her and I interact on video, and you know me. So like that's like a good indicator on like, all right, she treats him like that and that's how she like I feel like that's a nice very personable scenario right here but the page the page is good too but but you never know what the other person is going through so we're making a lot of assumption that well I connected with Michelle so I, I'm, I'm sure you 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 know, you know me so you can trust me and trust her but we're making that connection but the other person sure, sure. they're so busy in their in their head they're so busy in their mind they are not making that connection so what you can do is you can plant the seed no, no, and exactly, give them the resources. Exactly, exactly. Here's the website, here's the phone number, give her a call. And, and some people will act on it and other people, yeah, 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 you know, 100%. months down the line, they will think about, oh, maybe I can talk to her. So yeah, I do it in very um, organic and generic way. I don't, I don't go and say, hey, you know, I'm a life coach. I'm gonna give you a free session. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who are very, um, um, engaging and someone who's very uh, like latching onto you kind of thing, like th this is their marketing strategy. Yeah. So they're all about, oh, you, you need help. I think you need help. I think 
people go through their different stages of life, and at some point, and we can all use a coach, but at some point in your life, you're going to keep seeing the same struggle or same pattern showing up again and again and again. Yeah. And that would be the time when you start thinking about, okay, I wonder what would be possible for me to have a different life, to have a different way of living, to not having a lot of energy against the dishes in my sink. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've even had, like, um, of course, everybody has their strategies for clients. Like, I yeah. get the random, the random instagram dms too or i'm like wait what what is this <laughs> like we're looking for young men entrepreneurial minded like you look like you fit the thing like join our free program i'm like what is this it's not it's not even personally written I'm like, ah, it doesn't feel authentic it doesn't mail. feel true it doesn't feel real and they, yeah if they knew me you would do authenticity <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's why we connected because authenticity is also one of my big values. Yeah. 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 So I don't, I, I try that when I first um, got my certification from the coaching program. And I did that because I didn't know what to sure, do. Sure, sure. It's better like, than nothing. Yeah. So, you know, you send out those not, it doesn't feel generic. It doesn't feel uh, genuine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel real messages. And you send it out. It feels yucky. It felt, <laughs> it felt really yucky because yeah. then you're imagining the person who's re on the receiving end. If I were that person, would I want to receive messages like that? Mm -hmm. Chances are no. Yeah. yeah, you're kind of starting off on this on this forced foot mm -hmm. versus, uh, like you said, the uh, the organic growth of a uh, yeah. And and it's about like giving. It. It's about giving. It's about service. I, you, you, you told me something that you're going through that you may need help, and here I am. I have that ability to help, so I'm going to give it to you. And this is where I pour my heart out, and mm. I was talking about this the other day. I think, you know, in the past, I think of the way that I give love is I really pour my heart out. I send that person, you know, I buy drinks, I send gifts. <laughs> yeah, she got me the double chocolate chip frappuccino. Thank Which, you. He chucked it. <laughs> that was good. And um, so I pour my heart out in giving to people, and I used to think that it's a curse. It's something that I hmm. am not getting the reciprocate, and I'm Could not getting be. it back, right? But then nowadays, it, it's, a, it's that mindset shift. I have that extraordinary gift to give to someone, and I have that ability mm -hmm. to serve. Yeah. It's a gift. It's a talent. It's my personal magic. So why not yeah. use my magic? No, for sure. I think that was one of the other messages of uh, my movie was uh, was trying to flip a flaw into a into a positive word. You should have me in the movie. <laughs> you want to act? Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see what happens. We'll see what happens. Cool. Yeah. Right. I can act. <laughs> can you act? You've acted before. No. Line memorization and. No. I suck at memory, okay, um, well, memorizing she, it's lines. It's not a very good pitch. You, you're gonna have a, <laughs> you're gonna have a big billboard for me. The, 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 the your face on the poster. Yeah, okay. the posters. All right, I can act. Here yes. you go. All right, yeah. sweet. No, for sure. I mean, of course, acting 101 is just being authentic. Yeah. Be in the moment. Of course, say the lines that are scripted, but say them authentically. Yeah. You know. That kind of stuff. It's, yeah. 
It's hard, but it's not that hard. Acting is not that hard. It's definitely hard. I'm just trying to simplify it for you that you could probably do it. If I have you... no doubt I'm going to do it. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Um, let's give people this is where well, this is the end. This is the outro. We're done. <laughs> what where can people find you? What what where can people find the book? The social links and stuff. So the best place to find me is on my website, elevatelifecoaching.org. And on my website, I basically have everything. It's got my social media links, and also got the book book link. It's under the shop. shop. Um, so if you go to shop, you can order the book. And what I do is I personally sign it and ship it out to you. And if you'd like to find me on Instagram, I am at Elevate Life Coach. Very simple, very easy to remember. And you can also add me on Facebook under Coach Michelle Quay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Perfect. Come check me out. Come check me out. Do it. Yep. And I ask empowering questions. Yeah, engage on, engage on the Facebook. That's right. Sure. Engaging on my I hate the olives. Post. Yeah, go back on there and, and add your food of choice. Add your food of choice. What, what's, what, your, what, what's your... Uh, well, my hate thing? Yeah, your hate thing. Uh, for food? Oh, I know there's got to be something. I was going to... Okay, I was going to say sushi. I don't think hate... I don't really hate it. I just accept it. It's not my thing. And I've given it plenty of shots because a lot of people love sushi. And I just don't like it. You hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I was going to say, what happens? Like pickles? Pickles are gross for sure. Really? Ugh. But I feel like there's something I'm not saying that I really hate, but I don't, it's not coming to me. But yeah, pickle sushi, mm -hmm. it's a good start. For, yeah. for me, it's olives. Mm -hmm. And I hate it. What did you call that? <laughs> I was going to say, okay, I, I don't know. It's not. I am a picky, stubborn eater. Like when I was a kid, I had to work my way up from the hamburger patty by itself because mm -hmm. I hated the bun and I hated cheese and I hated everything else on it. So I'd have a patty by itself and then eventually, it's like I like the patty with the cheese on it and then eventually added the bun and then eventually blah, blah, blah and worked, worked my way up to like a full burger now. <laughs> But like I think about like that's how it was is like I, I through life, that's why I pushed you on the food thing with the olives. Like, well, I hated it as a kid, but then when I tried it as an adult, it's like, yeah, that's fine. That's not whatever. But yeah, I, you know, I, you know, there's a word for what you just described, right? You it? have principles. You have principles when it comes to food. Yes. I have principle, and my principle is that I hate olives. What? And we'll, we'll go with that. Thanks again for being on. Thank you. And hopefully, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, yeah, all that good stuff. Cool. Watch the movie. Bye. Boom, 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 boom.